everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Pioneer Cast. This one's a little bit different. We're going to have a little bit of a special episode tonight. We're going to try to keep the magic talk to a minimum. This is the um, mailbag episode that you heard as kind of reference. It's a slow week, magic-wise, honestly, Ross. I mean, there's not a lot going on. It's the holidays. You're Where are you right now? What's, what city are you actually in? I'm in Middlefield, Connecticut. For a second, I thought you were going to be like, I am in the middle of Connecticut. And you're like, no, I'm just in middle field. What part of Connecticut? Like, It, it, is, the, it is in the middle of Connecticut. All right. So at least it, it, at least it works out. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, it's close, to, close to the Connecticut River, about halfway between New Haven and Hartford. All right. While we were recording this, it's uh, it's Friday night, just so uh, if, if you know, come, it changes any of the answers or anything that comes up for the show or whatever. Um, you know, we, we both had, we, we just had Christmas. So Merry Christmas, everybody listening. Happy holidays, whatever it is you, you celebrate. Um, I was going to say mine was pretty great. How was yours? It was excellent. Um, you know, this, uh, it's always been sort of immediate family though. My, my brother came with his new girlfriend, so I got to meet her for the first time. Um, nice. food was good. I don't know. Just so, I mean, Christmas is always good in our house. So like there was nothing, you know, particularly, you know, significant other than, uh, my brother's girlfriend coming over, but you know, just a nice, relaxing day with the family. All right. First, like, kind of question for the show. I have one for you. Uh, give me, like, a Christmas or, like, holiday tradition that y'all do that's kind of cool or different. Do you have one? Um, That's different? Oh, spot. I like it. Um, well, you know, if, if it's something that other people do, that's fine. But what's a, what's a tradition that y'all do? I mean, I, 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 my dad operated a Christmas tree farm when I was a kid. So, like, Christmas has always been pretty big. But I don't think we have anything you know, super different, but we're very steadfast on having a real Christmas tree. None of this fake Christmas tree nonsense. Okay. Okay. So like, like, here we go. Perfect. Like an example, like one thing that we do every year is, um, after either breakfast or lunch, like we did, we did uh breakfast kind of rolling into, we did like a extended brunch this year. Like everybody got it there about like nine, nine thirty, and kind of just snacked until like noon. Um, we do this game. Have you ever heard of the game heads up? It's like an app on your telephone, right? Oh, and you can I've, choose I've a this. bunch of yeah. So you put the phone to your head, and, and everybody else can see it. And uh, the main way that we do, we do the one where they have to act something out that's on that's on the screen, or they have to you know just yell at you. They yell clues like you know like uh, like Santa Claus would be on the top. They'd be like, "This person delivers gifts on Christmas," and you'd be like, "Oh, Santa Claus," you know. Sure. Um, the acting out is always very very fun. The the app itself records what you can see. Like, you know, records oh, wow. from the phone. So you get some fun ones. I, I'm going to try to find some of the videos. Like one year, the clue was CPR. And I almost hurt my wife because I just like grabbed her through her to the floor <laughs> and started like performing CPR on my wife or whatever, like right in front of it. it was, there's there's some good ones. That's, uh, like that's for after the words. family leaves, Tannen. It's for after yeah, the family okay. leaves. Come on. This is, this, is a fam- this is a family show, Ross. Yeah. But uh, like this year, there was um, like a wrestling match was one of them. Or WWE or something like that, and, and you almost turned uh, your wife again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but no, but it was my, my it was my wife's uh, turn. She had like the, the phone up, if I remember right. And uh, her, like her brother, and a couple of them are like pretty big fans. So I turned to him, and we like without saying a word because you can't talk; you, you can only act. It's like charades. Yeah, we just do the what? What do they call it? You know, they you know they start the match. They each get in that little that little like hug where they're they have their hands over each other's shoulders, and they're kind of like you know, grappling. It's like a grapple almost from like actual wrestling. We started doing that. And then he gave me the stone cold stunner or whatever. <laughs> so like, it was pretty cool. Like, you know, we have some fun stuff going on. Luckily nobody gets hurt. Uh, did you get any good gifts? Yeah. Um, 
I got, uh, you know, I, at this age, I tend to get a lot of clothes, which I appreciate. Um, but my, can I, can I cut, can I cut, can I cut in for like two seconds? Sure. That that's actually one of my favorite things about Christmas is when you're like 12 years old, you're just like, or like 10 years old, you're like, it better not be closed. It better not be closed. It better not be closed. I'm opening the gifts I got this year. I'm like, please be closed. Please be, please be closed. And that's all, that's all I got besides cash. And I was ecstatic. I yeah. was so happy. My, uh, my, my older sister got me a, a Galton board. So the, it's a, it's sort of a novelty uh, thing that demonstrates probability. And it, it's basically like a big Plinko board that you flip upside like the, yeah. with a bunch of beads in the bottom. And then you flip it upside down and they fall through the board. And then you see that it forms the bell curve um approximately oh, okay. yeah so that's a neat little thing for my desk that i can annoy you with while we're recording uh just make weird sounds it sort of sounds like a rain stick okay i actually uh, kind of like that noise but i'm sure i'll learn to hate it because yes of you. and then um in my stocking my uh the the simplest thing that i'm very excited about my mom got me a set of three just travel sized plastic bottles that i can just put you know shampoo and conditioner and stuff in to travel with mm-hmm and I'm unre- those are handy. I'm yeah. unreasonably excited about that. You know what those are really good for? When you go on certain trips, like if you go on cruises or whatever, you could put alcohol in those. Just take some shots and stuff. It's that stuff. is that is smart. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't. I don't think I need to give you any alcohol related pointers because you probably know all the the <laughs> the cheat codes by now. But um, <clears throat> what else was I gonna say? I was gonna say uh. Yeah, I was gonna say I got I got like I got a, a new pair of shoes, but it was like, you know, okay, so I have like tennis shoes and then I have like shoes for work, you know, I have like shoes that are like dress shoes, you know, I guess is what you would call it. I didn't have anything in between because the one pair that I had in between that was really nice, I left them in Ecuador earlier this year. When is there that's that's the that's the guess, because we just cannot find this pair of shoes in the house and I didn't bring them anywhere. You know what I mean? They're not in any of the cars. So I was like, I either left them somewhere without realizing it or they're in Ecuador, which I'm pretty sure that's where they are. So I got a pair of those. Um, I got like a nice watch. Like someone got me a nice watch to like nice. wear because I'm I'm not a jewelry person. But like, you know, when you're wearing a suit and stuff at work, you, you kind of got to like complete yep. the ensemble. I, I have know? a watch for that purpose. I, I understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then I got like, you know, a bunch of shirts and stuff. And I actually went, uh, I was going to say, like someone asked, you know, hey, like, is there anything you want? And I was like, I need clothes, but please don't try to buy me like pants or shirts because I like. Uh, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a skinny dude, so I need like slim fit everything. So like I have to go buy it myself or whatever. So like I actually went today and bought a bunch of stuff. I got like a nice pair of pants, like three or four more shirts. I'm pretty excited about it. And like it's weird to be excited about that, right? Like I'm trying to think if I got any like toys kind of thing. <laughs> You're 35 cannon. <laughs> hey man, I still enjoy a good toy or game or something here or there. Like for my my wife, I got her uh, like the wireless like what are the things called earbuds? You know the little speaker little the wireless headphones. ear ear in ear headphones. Yeah, yeah, whatever they're called. I got her those and like uh, some earrings that she liked and some other stuff. You know, it's like just typical stuff like that. Uh, we spent a lot of we did a lot of times doing stuff for for everybody else, and we did Secret Santa this year. And I got my uh, my brother in law and his wife, and they live in Baton Rouge. So I wanted to get him something like high variance. I was like, I don't want to, you know, I can like just get him a t-shirt and it's like, whatever, you know, it's like steady. Yeah. It's always going to be cool. But you like, want it to swing get him a gift. Yeah. So I got them each, uh, I got them like a, a gift card for an hour at, they just opened up a um, ax tossing thing, you know, where you like, you go to like a range, you know, like, you know, gun ranges and like bow ranges. They have one here where you get to throw axes at like targets and stuff. And, uh, you know, they're both like, you know, 
pretty active and do fun stuff and go out and they like to, you know, go out and drink and have a good time. So I was like, I was like, look, man, go, go have fun with this. And also Dr- let me know drinking an ax throwing sounds very dangerous. Yeah. I don't think that's a mix, but they could go afterwards. You know, they're like, okay. cause they're going to be like, man, that sucked or dude, that was fun. And so also I was like, look, if it's fun, let me know. I didn't get to do the, like, so his gift, I just kind of like wrapped up the thing and gave it to him. Like the, you know, piece of paper that told him what it was or whatever. I tried to find like a toy ax or whatever, you know, to like put in the present, you know, he'd be like, what, what is this? You know, like when he opens it up and I can explain it, but I just like, couldn't find, they don't just sell toy axes anymore. It's like, I don't know, kind of random, but I thought I could have found yeah. one of those. But anyway, uh, I was to say, did you want to just like go ahead and get into the show? I was about to say, I mean, we're going to be talking about random stuff all the time anyway. Yeah, we got a lot of questions, so I figure we should just get yeah. into it. So I say that we try to keep the answers, you know, as succinct as possible. There's going to be some that we're going to have to kind of tell no a story or whatever. Better. Right. Okay. All right. Well, I'm just going to go. I'm going to, I'm going to start with one of the lists. We'll go kind of back and forth. We're just going to kind of wing this, right? Yeah, we got, we got a bunch on Twitter. We got some in our, uh, in our Discord channel, so we, we got a lot to get through. All right, the first one is going to be a multi-part one. So this, this we'll, we'll just we'll swing for the fences on the first one. Like you like you said, it's from um, Dan Glennon. All right, he says uh, serious questions because uh, he asked a joke question at first. Uh, what are your interests outside of magic? Uh, what do you do in cities you visit? Uh, like, which was your favorite city to visit? This is going to kind of cover some of the later questions too, so we can kind of skip those. Um, so let's start with that. Uh, what are your interests outside of magic, Ross? Um, let's see. I, uh, I participate in a trivia league called Learned League. Um, in addition to my exploits at Bar Trivia in Roanoke, I'm a, a big karaoke fan. Um, as most people know, I'm a U- huge Utah jazz fan. So I watch a lot of basketball. I'm also a tennis fan. Uh, and, and there I, I support Federer over Nadal or Djokovic. Um, and then I do a lot of uh, community work around Roanoke. Um, so that's kind of a smorgasbord. Yeah, uh, I guess the easiest way for me to do it is I have a pretty big family now. I kind of married into a, uh, a Latina like big family. So we do a lot of like fun stuff, like family stuff like that. Um, I have a you know full time job now that takes up a lot of time um, for like fun. Uh, when Ross says that he's a big basketball fan, think of that. Multiply it by about five. And that's me with baseball. Yeah, Tanner is a much bigger baseball fan than I am basketball. He, he doesn't show yeah, this much like- on Twitter, but it's yeah. kind of unreal. Yeah, I uh, I follow the minors and stuff. <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. Um, yeah. So I love that stuff. I'm a big fantasy sport player. I do mostly basketball and baseball because I think they're like some of the purest forms of fantasy sport. I think hockey is yeah. probably good, even though I've never done it. Uh, I just here we go. Hot take number one. Uh, fantasy football sucks. Oh, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. It, it, I will say this. It's the most popular for a reason. Not that it sucks. It's the highest variance, the most entertaining because you get the like one day of craziness. If you want the real feeling of like cr- of creating and managing and like running a team, you can't do it with football. No. So, uh, yeah, other than that, you know, I, I play a couple I, lately. I have it, but I want to get back into playing a couple sports around town while I'm still before 40 and stuff like that. So, you know, my body can still keep up with it. I spend a lot of time hanging out with my wife and my dog. Um, I used to read a lot. I've been watching a lot of like really good TV shows. stuff like that. That's most what I've been doing. Um, what do you do in the cities that you visit and which is your favorite? Uh, I'll kind of start with this. One of the things that we always did, like if Ross and I traveled together, other people did, we always tried to find if there was something going on in the city besides like, the, like let's say we're going over for a magic event, right? You're generally going to get out at what? Like 7-ish PM, 7, 7.30? 
you know? So if we could find, yeah, you know, give or take, if we could find a game that was going on that night, or uh, I know a lot of times we, we would plan, hey, if we don't day two, like I'm not playing a classic, I'm going to go to like the Ravens game, you know, when we're in like Baltimore, or I'm going to go to the, the Orioles game because the, the parks are like right there. Like you play right across the street. So try to find something cool or fun to do there. Um, we, what's it called? Like every time we're in Philly, we go to, you know, Reading Terminal Market. Uh, Columbus has North Market, you know, the cool stuff around the sites. Yeah. And a lot of it is food. Uh, honestly, like, yeah, you know, we, we like to do those sort of extra things. They don't come together super often, but consistently what I'm doing at least is trying to find the best food in the area. Um, and, and that's a huge determining factor in how much I like a, a, a tour stop. So I don't think I have like a specific favorite. I've had like favorite instances, like one of the cooler ones we did. Um, we had Boston last year as an open and uh, I had never been. And you mean Worcester? yeah, Worcester, but you you go into Boston like you so like I have to fly. Hey, you so, do. <laughs> yeah. So I fly into Boston. Well, me, uh, Jim Davis, Jonathan Job. Um, I forget the guy's real name. He's he's Lava Mancer online. That's like his name everywhere. I see his I see his his handle more than I see his real name, and uh, and some other people. We got t- we went in a day early, like we flew in the the day before. We got tickets to go to Fenway Park and watch a game in Fenway, and I had never been. Anyone who's like a baseball fan knows Fenway is pretty much mecca. Like, it, you know, it's like a pilgrimage that you make. Like, it's the oldest ballpark. It's really really cool. Um, it was a lot cleaner and nicer than I thought it would be. It was a fucking maze. I'll tell you that. Like they literally have to have people telling you where to go. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, you know, got to hang around the city outside of it, do some drinking, like wore a bunch of Boston stuff, got to see an absurd game. Mookie Betts at a grand slam and like the a 12 or 13 pitch at bat it was really, really crazy. So that one sticks out. Any particular one stick out to you or any city that is just your favorite? So I have a top tier of cities, at least on the SAG tour. Um, and they are Indianapolis, Columbus and Fort Worth. I rank them the in food. That, a lot of it is the food. I rank them in that order um, that I listed them. There's a couple other factors that go into me. It's how many, you know, where is the convention center located? Is it convenient, at least from an airport? Um, or is it close to, you know, is it close to the downtown area? Or is it just in the middle of nowhere? I like have it, it being in a walkable area. All three of those. Um, oh, for sure. Those cities for fit sure. that bill. Uh, they all have really good food. They all have a couple other things, you know, maybe a good bar to go out to later at night or Fort Worth has the cool jazz club that Jim Davis showed us. Um, so they have a couple other things that that put them ahead of the rest of the regular stops on the SEG tour. But food is definitely the biggest factor. If I had to have a favorite, like if I had to answer one, I don't consider it's It's hard to consider it this because I didn't necessarily have to travel there all the time, but it was Vegas. Vegas is my favorite stop. Uh, best food overall. Most things to do, obviously, overall. But I lived there also for like four or five years. So it's so non walkable, though. It's like or it's just difficult to walk. You got to like go to the overhang things and like the sort of street bridges to get across the street. It's just so packed with people. I'm. I, yeah. I like that there's lots of things to do, but I'm really annoyed at how, like, even though everything looks like it's all close together, it, it, it pra- in practical purposes, it's not really. Okay, how good was the food, though, when we were there? The food Especially when you were there with me. is very, very good. Yeah. It's one of the best foods got- probably in, in the country. 
Yeah, I, I, here's the thing. I, I've been all over the place. Uh, Louisiana's food is good overall. Like people say that. I think it's slightly overrated. But it's because I don't love the local cuisine as much as most people, and I try to stay away from it a little bit. Vegas has been the best for me. I need to go to New York again. I haven't, I haven't been to New York long enough to really, really appreciate it. My wife lived in the area for a while and says it is very good, and she's also lived in Vegas, so I have to believe her. But for me, it's definitely Vegas. Yeah. All right. So the next one, the next one's a sweet one. What's the strangest thing that's ever happened to you in traveling? Um, you, you were, we were talking about this one for a second the other day. Something about like someone tried to scam you or something. Oh yeah. Um, this is actually one of my favorite trips I've ever taken. It was my first pro tour and it was in Paris. And, uh, but a little backstory, um, we were driving up to the PTQ that I won for it. And just on the ride, what my friend Brian says, you know what, if anybody, uh, if any of you win, I'll just go to Paris with you because he had the money. He wanted to go on a vacation uh, and he could try to LCQ into the pro tour because they had those back then. And I, and I, I won this. The, yeah. And I won the PTQ and he was true to his word. He came with me. So we stayed together. I'm like uh, without him, I would have just known no one and it would have been kind of annoying um, and it would have been much worse trip. And instead he was there the entire time. Uh, he opened a horrible pool in the LCQ. I told him like, Brian, just leave. You're not going to win. Like, don't waste your trying in vain to win this LCQ. Like, your pool is just not good. Um, it wasn't even one where, like, maybe he can scrape it together. It just wasn't good. He probably had one of the bottom 10% pools in the room. Uh, but, you know, he was stubborn, so I had to go to the the Medieval History Museum by myself. Um, <laughs> but the literal first day we were there, we went to the Arc de Triomphe, which is close to our hotel. And uh, we, you know, uh, if you've been there, like the, the arc is sort of like almost in the middle of an intersection and you have to like, you can't just cross this busy intersection to get there because it's super wide. You actually, there's like this underground, uh, you know, tunnel that then brings you back up in the middle of the intersection where the arc is, if you want to go underneath. And we were kind of walking around it. I think you might've had to pay some money to get actually into it. And we were like, nah, that's, we can see it from here. That's good enough. Um, and somebody taps us on the shoulder as we're walking around, but very obviously tourists, I'm sure, um, and taps us on the shoulder. And we turn around and he like, shows us his ring and he starts trying to talk to us and neither of us can really understand what he's trying to say. And eventually he starts trying to sell it to us. And we're just like, no, and kept walking. And later that night, we were in the back in our hotel room and my, my mom had gotten me a travel book for Paris because... That's the kind of person she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this was like, you know, this was 2011. So um, I didn't, I didn't have um, a smartphone then, although they had, they had come out a couple years earlier, but I didn't have one yet. So, and I, uh, and I didn't have a laptop. So I had like no means of communication really. So the book was actually good. And I was reading the section about common scams. And I guess the ring scam is one of them. They like, they like have a ring and they like find their mark and they tap them and they try to say, ask you like, Oh, did you, did you drop this? Is this yours? And then they do some like weird test, either bite it or tap it or something and say, Oh, it must be real gold. Like trying to appear as a, as an expert, uh, when it's very obviously not. And then they try to sell it to you. And I just thought to myself, like, how does that ever work? Yeah. How do you start with, is this yours? I just picked this up behind you and then go to sell it to them. How, how, who has that ever worked on? Yeah. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard, but we just couldn't, we laughed that it like actually happened to us. So it's really funny, like listening to your story. Cause I knew the story, like you said, you know, Oh, I can tell this one. I didn't know what the extra story was. Cause ours are going to have some 
unbelievable parallels at the beginning of them until I get into like why it's different. So mine was also my first pro tour. Um, it was also <laughs> in Europe and it was like the first time I'd ever, you know, f- you know, flown overseas. Um, it was for London in 2005 and uh, I won a local PTQ and one of the guys that went was like, I'm just going to go with you. You know, he's like, I want to go to London. <laughs> so like he came with me because I knew no one like actual no one. Right. Because uh, I won the first PTQ I like ever played in or whatever. Like I went to the like the first time. Humble brag. Yeah. The first time I drafted at the professional level was at a pro tour, not at a Grand Prix because I hadn't been to a Grand Prix yet. You know, like that. Like that, that's what this is going on. So anyway, you know, we get there and we go for the whole week. You know, we book like seven days. We're going to go up there, really have fun, you know, walk around London. I did all my testing before going up there because it was a limited pro tour because back then you had, they were separate. There was limited and there was constructed. So day one was literally multiple drafts. And then day two was multiple drafts and the top eight was draft. And like, that's how you played this tournament. So, you know, I was like, oh, I don't really need to like, you know, test my constructed deck or anything. So we go up there and we're hanging out. And I, if I remember right, I think it's like the second day we're there. Or like the third day, I can't remember or whatever. I think I was like kind of over the jet lag or whatever. And uh, we're up early one morning and we're like walking through London. It's like sometime in July. It's like pretty hot. You know, I'm wearing like shorts, a t-shirt and I got like my backpack on. Like typical little, you know, young American kid walking around, walking around Europe. And we walk down into the subway station and we're like walking in it. And this loud noise happens and a siren starts and people just start running. And we're just like, What's going on? And I don't know if you know this, but if you're ever somewhere and like a lot of noise happens and people start running and they're running like towards you, you don't stop and ask questions. You turn around and you run. Yeah, you don't have time. Yeah. (laughs) So I run up on the street and I'm like, what's going on? What's going on? And no one knows what's going on. There's so um, European cities are built like very tall. You know, it's kind of like Eastern America, you know, like it's like like Northeastern America. It's like the buildings are up tall. They're not spaced out. Like when you come to Louisiana, everything's like spaced out more. Right. So you just hear sirens like crazy you know because it's echoing like and it just it sounds like you're surrounding you so we're freaking out and like you said we don't have smartphones because it's 2005 like my cell phone doesn't even work (laughs) like you know and so um like i think i had the block cell phone you know where you have to hit the button like three or four times to text you know oh yeah you have to to choose each letter piece by piece you know and that um, that was my first cell phone right before i went to college in 2006 so if you haven't figured out what i'm alluding to just yet there was a terrorist attack that morning in uh, London, England. Someone blew up the subway that we were in and blew up uh, a bus and some other stuff. We didn't know this was going on until a minute or two later. We were like, you know, we were running and walking down the street trying to figure out what's going on. And we ducked into a McDonald's because most of the McDonald's there had internet cafes in them. So, you know, we need to get on the internet. So I get on the internet. I'm like, oh, shit. Like every TV showing it, you know, the internet showing it. And it's early in the morning. So it's like late at night back home. So I remember um, I find my friend, uh, Mike Arden. I'll never forget. I find him and I'm like, I'm on AIM. Again, that's how old this is. Or on AOL Messenger or whatever it is, AIM. And I'm like, hey, call my family. Call my girlfriend. Tell them I'm alive. Like, everything's okay. Or whatever. So um, that was, you know, one of the crazier things ever happened to me, period. Not just story for traveling. I mean, there's more to it, but that's, you know, pretty much it. Like, the rest of the trip was weird. Uh, Coming home was crazy. We got to the airport, like... Uh, I don't know, like eight hours early, seven, six hours early and still had like cut it close, getting through security and everything. You know, the people were walking around fully armed. I'm talking like, I don't know what the national rifle of England is, but they were, you know, they were just walking around with it out, you know, like, like actual military people and stuff. It was just utterly crazy. 
All right. Um, yeah, it's chaos. How did you meet your significant others? Is the next question. So Ross, how did you meet your significant other? Uh, well, I looked at my right hand and it was there. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll answer this one since I'm married. But uh, so there's no big, crazy thing. Um, it's, it's really funny. It's good timing. I mentioned earlier that I lived in Vegas for a little while. The week before I moved away from Baton Rouge to move to Vegas, uh, like the two weeks moving up, leading up to it, I went and visited a lot of my friends, hung out with them. And I was like, hey, like, do you want to hang out before I move away? Because I don't know when I'm coming back. Like, you know, I don't plan on, you know, coming back for every holiday or anything, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be, you know, seriously living out there. And one of the nights I was on a certain side of town and it was like 9.30 or 10 when I finally like left my friend's house or whatever it was I was you know, hanging out with. It might have been like 9, 9.30. And uh, I wanted like a hot meal. I was hungry. Like I wanted dinner. And there's like nothing open other than like fast food restaurants at this time. But there was a pub open. It's called The Londoner. It's like a it's like a chain pub. It's, it's a bar that serves food, you know, kind of thing. And I was like, ah, I could just eat a burger or something. So I go in, sit up at the bar, order a burger. And I look to my right. And there are these two younger, you know, young women sitting at the bar. And uh, one's got her back to me. and I can't really see the other one. And she happens to move. And I see the girl sitting across from her. And uh, that's my wife. <laughs> that's how I met her. I just saw her at the, at, the, at the bar. And I was like, that girl's cute. You know, you know, when you see somebody and they're like, you're like, that girl's like my, you know, like if you have a type, you're like that. That's that's like my ideal looking woman. And I don't know. Yeah. You do a double take. Yeah. So like we talked for a minute, you know, I introduced myself, didn't think anything of it. Um, we kind of went our separate ways. We like, I, you know, we exchanged numbers. We talked a little bit. And then uh, when I finally visited for the, like the first time, I think it was like eight months or something like that. It was like almost a year. It was a while. I don't remember the exact, you know, days and stuff of this, but uh, I was like, Hey, I'm coming back in town. Uh, do you want to like hang out? Cause we had like corresponded a little bit. You know what I mean? And then we hung out. Uh, I went back to Vegas and I think it was from like that day forward. There has not been a day go that goes by that we haven't texted each other or like talked in some way, shape or form. And we ended up getting married. So uh, no, you know, crazy thing, just literal, like old school met her at a bar, I guess it's, it's kind of, you know, like whatever, it's no sweet story, but Great story. I met her at a bar. Yeah. yeah. But it was like weird, but she was there to, to meet a friend. Uh, like their friend was worked behind the bar. They had just gotten done with class. Like they were at LSU, like uh, a night class and all that stuff. And they both lived, right around the corner. So there you go. Um, who is your favorite fictional character, Ross? Ooh. Yeah, this is a good one. I, I didn't come prepared for this question. Yeah, neither did I really. Okay. Off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to think like, I'm not going to go too deep on this. Um, I'm trying to think of like some of my favorite characters from books, movies, or TV shows. And I think TV shows are mostly better than movies because you get more in depth on the character. Um, Gregory house, you know, the character, the main character for yep. house was one of the more intriguing characters that's ever popped into my head that I can think of. Um, I was about to say, do you, do you have anything? Oh, God, I feel like we're um, letting this question down. I like, so I'm a, I'm a big Simpsons fan and I do think Homer and Lisa Simpson in particular are very, very good characters especially together. All the Homer Lisa episodes end up being really good um, because Lisa brings out more humanity from Homer and Homer brings out some of the, you know, uh, I guess sort of humanity from Lisa, or a lot of the time she appears as a sort of, uh, you know, grade grubbing robot um, bookworm. And uh, like, it, it, that's not really how Springfield works. Like the basic conceit of Springfield is that everyone is kind of stupid. 
Um, and you know, Lisa it, it has her moments and Homer can, can bring them out like the sort of impulsive side of her. Um, so they actually work really well together. Um, um, I don't know. I don't really get to like, we'll tell you what, we, we can, we can come back. We can come back to this. Yeah. It's, well, it, there's two ways to take the question, right? It's like, like a character that you actually like or a character that you think had like a good story arc, you know, like I, I really enjoyed, uh, you know, Barney Stinson's arc on how I met your mother, but as a character, he's obviously a despicable yeah. human being. I think he's one of the top like characters ever portrayed on TV because like, you know, he goes through an actual complete arc. It's very, if you can kind of take out most of the last episode, I think it's, no, his I, character's I think a lot the last episode is like really a... important for him. It just goes by. Well, I think, yeah, I don't know. I didn't like that they kind of undid some of his character development over the seasons before. But then they, from that, I mean, but I then can, they resolved it. But, sort so, of, yeah. I guess, I guess you're. Yeah, it was a it was Maybe. a twist ending for him. Like you thought that it was he was you know that Robin was what he like the thing that was going to get him out of uh, you know the person that he had been before, but yeah. that, that wasn't and the case. And there you know there yeah, are reasons true. why that true. that happened. Mm-hmm. I don't really want to go super in depth on that. We could talk about that there for hours, yeah. the two of us. Uh, we both really like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Another character that popped into my head, uh, Malcolm Reynolds. Uh, he was on Firefly. Like, he's the captain of the Serenity on Firefly. I, I like that character a lot. I thought he's he was amazingly in-depth. And for, you know, what, only like 12 or 15 episodes or of the show was in one movie. I, I thought that character was amazing. We can come back to this if, if something pops in your head. Uh, Ross, pirates or ninjas? Uh, pirates. You know, when I was a kid, I would have said ninjas. I think I say pirates now. Yeah, pirates embody... Pirates embody a sort of anarchist life that is somewhat appealing, mm-hmm. though not entirely so. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, all right, here we go. Here's a here's a good one, Ross. If you're the GM for the Jazz for a year, what would you do? Um, so I think so. For this coming year, the priorities are extending Royce O'Neill and Donovan Mitchell, and they've actually set themselves up to do the former. Uh, at least Dennis Unzi and Justin Zanuck, uh, who are the president and GM currently, but with the recent trade they made, sending Dante Exum out for Justin or Jordan Clarkson. Um, Clarkson's contract is a little bit bigger, but it ends after this year, whereas uh, Exum had at least another year left on his. So that should free up some space over the summer to extend Royce O'Neill, who's really really good. Um, I don't know enough to speculate on like what I would do with the draft, but the Jazz roster is pretty set. You know, this would have been a much more interesting question a year ago, um, but but since they made the trade for Mike Conley, they've sort of and the signing of Boyan Bogdanovich, like they're pretty capped out. They don't really have ways to make significant moves outside of moving one of those core players, which I don't think they should do, um, at, at least until you know they've gotten enough time to see what they have with them. So far, Conley's been a little banged up, so uh, he hasn't seen the court as much as we would have liked. So. They don't really have a ton of space to maneuver outside of small moves like they just made uh, and and the draft. Um, so uh, there's not a lot for me to say here, but I am a fan of the moves they made, even though Conley hasn't looked great so far. All right. So they, they allowed me to do the same for the Pelicans. So everybody doesn't know I'm, I'm, I'm a Pelicans fan. I'm, I'm They're like my local team as well. Um, I, I have some kind of crazy ideas. I get to go a little bit into this. Again, I do not know the ins and outs of the NBA as much as Ross does. I don't understand like certain ways about trading. Like I don't like I, I used to know what bird rights mean, but I don't anymore. You know what I mean? Like you get what I'm saying. You don't you don't have to explain it. I'm saying like I don't know all the ins and outs. But um what I would do, I would get pretty drastic. 
Um, I would actually shut down Zion for the year, not let him play. Um, though they're saying he's going to come back sometime in January now. Here's the thing. The latest report is that he'll be getting into um, practice with like actual contact soon. You know, three-on-three drills, five-on-five. Like he's just been doing shooting drills and running drills and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And it kind of worries me because like, you know, he's a big dude. He hurt his knee. But the, the, the most telling thing that I've heard is they're trying to change the way that he walks and runs. Reading that scares the shit out of me for a franchise player, especially someone of his size. So I would just shut him down for the year or as much as you possibly can. There's no reason to let him play 15 games this year, like, or 10 or 10, you know, 10 or 12, because he's not going to ever play a back to back. Like, you know, they're probably going to sit him for rest and load management. He may play like 20 minutes a game. I, I'm sure there's some reasons, but it just sounds like to me that you just make sure the kid is 100% healthy. I would trade Drew Holiday. I would trade JJ Redick. I would trade Derek Favors. I would trade Lonzo Ball. And I would probably trade Mark Ingram. Uh, Brandon Ingram. Just because here's the thing. Brandon Ingram. Mark Ingram is, was a running back for the Saints. Uh, Brandon Ingram. I, I think they're all great players. I think none of them are players that... Uh, besides, I think Drew is a very, very good player overall and you can build a team around him. I don't think any of them are like top 15 players in the NBA that like move the needle into championship territory, especially right now in the West. And I would just accrue as much value and picks and stuff as I could, because our season's already lost. We lost like 15 games in a row. Oh yeah. You're you're going to be at the top of the lottery. Yeah. Just get another great lottery pick, accrue a bunch of first and second round picks, make some, like have some money set up, you know, let Zion play next year, figure out what, you know, that's going to like, what that's going to look like and then go heavy, you know, figure out the free agent that you need to throw the max at. Figure out the two free agents you need to throw the max at. I, I like tanking this year, especially with Drew, who's not on the same timeline as Zion. Then, you know, there's just 10 years different mm-hmm. in age, something like that. But Ingram is still really young. I think you keep Ingram and just build around Zion. I worry about his, I worry about his health. And like, you're going to have to pay a max because he's someone's going to, someone's going to offer a max and you're going to have to, to match it. If you want to, if you want to keep him, but that's actually fine while Zion is on his rookie contract. Yeah, like I get that. I get that. I just I just worry that you're going to get trapped by paying Ingram. Like paying Lonzo Balls obviously a trap. And like some other stuff, I just I I try to, you know, I want our team to be as flexible as possible in the future, but like it's just going to be like every superstar in New Orleans like Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, they're just going to leave after you know, they realize they can't win here cuz we can't have a market. But, uh, but the timing works out for to keep Ingram. That's not actually going to hamstring you that much. So I think you keep him, but I like the idea okay. of just fire sailing the rest of the team and picking up, you know, several first round picks or maybe a good young prospect uh, to, that could be a third piece or something like that. Because Ingram has looked yeah. really, really good this year. Like, yeah, for sure. Uh, do you want to start some off of uh, your list? We've done a few off my list of questions. Yeah, let's, uh, let's keep it on on basketball. Shane from the Dive Down Pod asks, what is it about the NBA that seems to draw in magic players? And I, I wouldn't say that like a, uh, magic players are, you know, particularly uh, overlap with NBA fandom. I actually think if you're you're just talking about the majority, I, I see a ton of football fans. I just think we happen to have several, you know, very prominent members of the magic community, notably Cedric yeah. and Patrick, who are huge NBA fans. So you just hear it talked about a lot, and they're commentators, so like they just have a lot of airtime, a lot of downtime to talk about things. So I, I think that's just a matter of who the NBA fans in the community are as opposed to, you know, the, the amount that the ones that do exist tend to be very vocal about it, myself included. 
I 100% agree with you. And I'm going to add the fact that a lot of the games, especially baseball, I think baseball is a big one too, have become way more analytical over like, say, the last 10 to 15 years. And you're starting to see the number side of the game come up and you're starting to see how important that kind of stuff is. And Magic players in general gravitate towards math. They gravitate towards numbers that, you know, uh, that don't lie. Things like that. You know, they get to understand the game better if you can explain it to them in like numerical ways. You know, like it's not like, oh, that dude's faster than that guy. So he's better. You know, it's like that doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. And stuff. So they they get to see that analytical side of the game and they can kind of understand that more, even though they've maybe never played the sport. Yeah, that, that has definitely come around in basketball over the last decade. Uh, it's really sort of been the story of basketball for about you know, mm-hmm. 10 years. Um, also, Welcome to baseball. <laughs> yeah, I think I think basketball is also just getting more popular in general. And yeah. part of that has to do with football sort of declining a little bit because of the concussion issue and some other health issues. They have, you know, lower salaries because of the hard cap. They have, um, you know, shorter careers on average. I think basketball gives you, you know, gives you an international market because it's more popular overseas. It gives you a fairly long career. If you last, you know, you can easily play 15 plus years in the NBA as long as you stay effective. Um, and the, the money is getting really good there. So I think a lot of top athletes are choosing to play basketball as opposed to other sports. And so the talent pool in the NBA has almost never been higher. Like it's a really like the quality that they put on the court is really high. So that has to do with it as well. I'll say one statement and you, you can discern from it what you want about how I agree or disagree in which sports ever. Uh, we're not letting our kids play football unless something drastically changes. So yeah, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to play something like basketball or baseball or something they want, you know, like you said, longevity, long, long sports, you don't have the concussion problem, stuff like that. So yeah, you mean you, you might have bad knees when you're 60, but you want to have a bad brain. Yeah. One's better than the other. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, next two, I'm actually going to combine um, and mm-hmm. touches on something we talked about earlier, but Lazarev and Alligator ask, uh, favorite place you've ever traveled and what was the best food you've eaten in your travels? Um, okay. Um, so I mentioned Vegas. I don't know if I can really count it again because I lived there, but my favorite meal in the entire world is in Vegas. I've, I've even told Ross this, that if I went vegetarian, like full vegetarian, that if I went to Vegas, I would still eat this meal while I was there. There is a restaurant in Vegas called uh, Lotus of Siam. Uh, I took Ross there last time we were there. And they I've have a there dish like there. <laughs> yeah, as I say, but I'm saying we went last time. And they yeah. have a dish there. Um, it's crispy duck and Penang sauce. It is literally my favorite meal. Like, I don't care what mood I'm in. It makes me happy. You know, like whatever. It's just my actual favorite meal in the world. Uh, my favorite Indian place is there as well. One of my favorite like Mexican food places is there. Uh, so I'm just going to have to go with Vegas, man. Um, favorite places I've traveled. Um, Paris was up there, but part of that was having a friend with me. Uh, Dublin for that pro tour is really high. I liked Dublin a lot. I had an awesome brunch there one day. It was, uh, I, I got to love black pudding uh, while I was there. This was about a year before I went vegetarian. Black pudding was great. And I had a black pudding waffle that was served with whipped foie gras and cranberry chutney. That was okay. That actually does sound kind of good. That was a very, very, very good meal. Um, so D- Dublin is definitely on my place, a, a list of places to return to, uh, hopefully non magical related. Uh, but that, that was a great trip. Got to see the Trinity library, um, walk around St. Stephen's green. Um, if you haven't seen the Trinity library, there's a room in it called the long room. That is a, it's sort of, it's an old library basically. Uh, and it, it, the, 
you know, it's a, a very long room with this incredible archway in it. Uh, and you I mean, you can see it from end to end and you're just walking through and there's a bunch of cool stuff in there. There's this awesome harp. I can't remember what it was from. There was the, uh, the signed declaration declaring the Republic of Ireland during the Easter rebellion. Uh, it was quashed after like three days or something, but I got that, that's still a really cool piece of history. So a lot of cool stuff around there. I really liked the city. So Dublin definitely near the top of my list. So we recently went to Philly again for like the team of one of the last times that we teamed together. And uh, we found this like new area to eat food in because we almost always like ate in the same areas when we were there. And we found this little area that had like a whole bunch of restaurants and you and I and uh, Bernie DeCandio, we ate at what was it was it was um, Latina and what fusion? It was like fusion between. Or was it the place you wanted to go? Well, you wanted to go to some restaurant that looked great and had like an hour wait. We ended up across the street at the other restaurant. Yeah, like a, a Latin fusion restaurant. Yeah, I remember the food was absurd. And I looked up a couple of the other restaurants that are around there. They were also very good. So I was very much hoping to go to Philly again this year at least once. And I'm just going to eat in that area like for every yeah. meal. I, I went to the other. I know the other restaurant you're talking about. I can't remember the name. But I went to that the next day and it was also quite good. It was also quite good? Okay. Yeah. All right. That's I can't remember so yeah, I, I had to leave Sunday night, so. Yeah. Um, okay, uh, moving on. I've got Quinn O'Grady. Have either of you tried any auto chess variants? If yes, what do you enjoy about them? What about I you? Have not. you? You have not? No. Okay, I also have not, and there's a specific reason. I like to get out of my house, and if I start playing another game that has that kind of level of gaming to it that is addictive. I'm never going to leave. There's a reason I don't play that. There's a reason I don't play WoW or any MMORPG. I want to make sure I say that correct. I, I want to get out of my my office and away from my computer at some point. The games look great. I'd probably love it. it I, I have to say no at some point. Yeah. So sorry. <laughs> Neither one of us plays that. Okay. Nice quick one there. We got Big DZ Rider. I'm going to combine this with another Lazarev question uh, because... Uh, Ryder's asking what contributed to my having a broad enough dearth of knowledge. I don't think they know what the word dearth means to be able to be a Jeopardy contestant. Dearth means lack, lack of, I think you mean breadth of knowledge. Come on. I expect more from our, uh, our discord. And then, uh, Lazarav asks what was my experience like competing on Jeopardy? Um, so I don't know if, um, I don't know what contributed to, you know, my, you know, having a, a wide breadth of trivia knowledge. I definitely read as a child. I used to read encyclopedias, actually. My, uh, we, we had this old encyclopedia set um, from, like, I think 1988, so the year I was born. And so it still had the Soviet Union, <laughs> and I would still read it in, like, the mid-90s when I was a kid. Um, I actually just recently, I, I, I must have mentioned the encyclopedias to my mom, and she brought up the story of how, they, how she bought them. And she literally bought them from a door-to-door salesman. And my dad was apparently like very mad when he came home, found my mom just like spent, you know, encyclopedia sets yeah, are pretty expensive. Very expensive. And it was like, why, why would you buy this? Like, it's just going to be outdated in like, you know, five years, which it was. And she, but I, I, I <laughs> so she just bought it from it. And I'm like the house we grew up in, it is not, diff- it was not easy to get to, you know, it's, it wasn't in a super dense neighborhood. It was sort of right off the highway and the, the driveway was up a hill like sometimes like my parents would get stuck in the driveway if it was snowing out um, because it was like up a hill, you know, 30, 40 feet uh, away from the road. And then, you know, it was on the foothills of what we call Higby mountain, which is like a 2000 foot high mountain, 1200 feet. I don't know, something like that. 
Um, and so it's so that like there's trees everywhere. You know, we, you have to drive up this driveway and like you know, there's I mean we, we had neighbors around, but it wasn't like a you know cul-de-sac-y kind of neighborhood. So this would not have been a particularly you know ideal place for a door-to-door salesman to go. But for some reason, like, that's where this guy ended up. And my mom was like, yeah, sure. Let's buy some encyclopedias today. Um, but I don't know. I I, I, I read a lot um, as a kid. Um, I liked, you know, I think curiosity is probably the biggest thing. I was always, you know, asking questions about things. You know, I actively wanted to learn things. Um, and my parents sort of uh, encouraged that a lot. So the, the combination of those two things certainly helped. Um as for the experience itself, um, um, I don't know, like it was fun. You get to, you know, you're there like in the studio all day. It's on the Sony picture lot. Um, you, you, you get to warm up, uh, on the, on the stage, um, just to, you know, familiarize yourself with the space and the buzzer and the board, uh, you know, get yourself sort of accustomed to that space at least a little bit. Um, and then you sit there and you're watching the shows as people get called up, waiting for your name to get called. And then eventually, you know, you get on and it goes by pretty quickly. You know, they, they run a tight ship. The people who work for Jeopardy have been doing it for, you know, years and years. Uh, so they have it down pretty well pat. Um, so you're, you, you know, you got your 20 minutes and you hope it goes well. And then uh, if it doesn't, you're out, but definitely a fun thing to do. Um, and it, not something that like, you know, takes a ton to get started. If you're a person that likes trivia and is good at it, you just do the online test from your home. That takes you about 15 minutes and it just sort of goes from there. Um, and that there are people that try for years and eventually they, they get on. So it's not a thing where you're like, Oh, I tried it once and I didn't get it. So, you know, I should stop trying. So per- persistence is definitely key. I think, uh, I think I took the online test maybe four or so times and I did an in-person audition twice and I, I got on, on the second try. Nice. Nice. All right, so I'll ask the next one from your list. Uh, I'm going to answer this one really quickly, so we don't have like you know, so we can get some short answers in here too. What's the biggest mistake you think Wizards has made? Uh, Planeswalkers. If you're talking about specifically Magic and in the game, I think Planeswalkers has been. Uh, it was a maybe a good idea, but I think people can kind of extrapolate where the problem has come from. Um, I will go with Fetchlands. Yeah, that was also really really bad. Yeah, I, I I think we've seen with the. the popularity and just general awesome gameplay of pioneer that, you know, a format without fetch lands is pretty great. Um, and you, from a viewer perspective, getting rid of all the shuffling is great. So uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point that fetch lands were a, a big mistake. Okay. Uh, Scraw, have you ever played a competitive game besides magic? Um, not at a competitive level. I thought about playing competitive cribbage, but there's never been a club near me that that hosts games. There's not one in Roanoke. I checked the closest is like Richmond, but like I would try to compete at, at cribbage if it was convenient for me. I saw this question and laughed because I was like, how long do you have? How long can the list be? Um, I, I played competitive Halo and Halo 2. Uh, I even got as far as playing a couple of MLG events. Uh I was not the best at any one thing besides maybe like grenade throwing. I, I, if that can be a skill, I was very, very good at it kind of thing. But uh, I was a very good teammate and very good like coach slash teammate. You know, I could because when I played, you had to play on one screen, like your whole team would be on the same screen. I could watch all four screens at once while still playing at a pretty high level. So you can kind of call stuff out better. Um, Hearthstone, you know, besides magic. uh, Also, poker was my job on and off for about 15 to 16 years. So I guess that counts as playing it competitively. 
you know, is it like, you know, um, I didn't, I wasn't really that much of a tournament player. I do have some good tournament finishes or whatever, but I was more of a cash player, but you can probably understand that's why I lived in Vegas for like five years. Um, other than that, uh, I would, I was good at video games for like a long time. It's pretty funny to say that now because I haven't owned or played a console game and God knows how long, but I was very good when I was younger. Like my brother used to bring me over. I have an older brother. He used to bring me over to like his high school friend's house when I was in grade school. And he would give any of them, like he would make bets. He'd be like, I'll give you $20 for your five. You can, you can, if you can beat them in any one of these games. And they just literally never could. They made me play street fighter. Um, I had to, uh, turn the controller upside down in my hands and then also look through my legs when I played. So I was looking at the screen upside down and playing the controller backwards and I could still beat them every time and stuff. So it was, it was a lot of fun. So uh, a few. <laughs> yeah. Got some, got some chops over here. It was okay. I was okay. Um, yeah. I started playing magic in 2001. I think I got, I got my first console in 2000. So I had them all. Or no, no, I got it. In, I got it in two thousand one. Yeah. So I played Magic before I even owned a console. Uh, so I never really got into you know competitive video games. That side I never got into the to the uh, computer side of gaming. Um, when someone asks later, you know, like what do you do outside? I do play a lot uh, on another game outside of, of Magic now that's on the computer. But I don't. I did a lot of console growing up. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Seg Fault asks Ross and Tannen, did y'all go to college somewhere? If so, what's your favorite memory from school? I went to two. I went to two colleges. I went to Southeastern Louisiana University, and I went to LSU. Uh, proud LSU alum. Um, you know, go Tigers. Uh, one of my favorite memories is my freshman and senior years at uh, at LSU. Like while that was going on, uh, we won the national title in, in football. So that was. I don't know if you know anything about football down here. It is absurd. When there's a, when there's especially when the team is good, uh, our stadium fits about ninety seven thousand people and sells out every game. There's generally about the same amount of people outside of the stadium while the game's going on. So we get anywhere from a from one hundred twenty to two hundred thousand people on campus, especially for the big games. Um, one of the years that we won the national title, I went to every home game that year, so that was a lot of fun to go to. Um, other than that, like when it came to school or whatever, I just went to school, went to my class, would go home. You know, like I was not the kind of person that. Uh, lingered on campus too much. Uh, our union, like our student union was actually under construction for a large amount of the time that I was there. So like, you know, we didn't hang out and stuff there. Um, I was playing a lot of poker at the time. So I was rushing home to get onto my computer to play po- poker as much as I could. Cause that was like the glory days of online poker. So. Yeah. When it was really profitable. Oh yeah. Like every minute I was just counting it in class. I'm like, I'm losing so much money sitting here. Yeah. What about um, you? I went to Harvey Mudd College, a small school in uh, Claremont, California, which is in the suburbs east of Los Angeles. Um, favorite memory? Um, so my uh, my freshman year, uh, the the way our dorms worked, uh, we had you had shared it with just one other person, so it was all doubles, and two doubles were linked by a shared bathroom. So you had one bathroom for four people. Uh, as opposed to like a, a big set of bathrooms for a whole floor. I'll remind um, you again, family show, family show. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm and, joking anyway. And I, I got to be friends with uh, the people across the bathroom from us, and they wanted to go get a couch for their room. Uh, so the two of them, me and, a, and my roommate, and I think one other person, uh, uh, so I think there was five of us, went down to a Goodwill, which was about a mile and a half or so, 
down the road from the school. None of us had a car. And so we walked there and they picked out a couch and bought it for, you know, you know, 40, 50 bucks or something. And the plan was just, we're just carry it back. And we'll like, you know, have four people go to time. We'll rotate the fifth person in. Uh, obviously like not a great plan when you have to carry a couch for a mile and a half. <laughs> and, uh, but about, you know, maybe less than a third of the way or close to a third of the way in when we're finally realizing that like this was a bad idea. We actually saw a, uh, a shopping cart on the side of the road because uh, a grocery store just recently closed in that plaza. And there's just like an old shopping cart sitting there. So we pick up the shopping cart and put the couch lifted up and put it on top of the cart and just wheel it the other mile back. Very, That's very much lucky. smarter. Yes, very, very lucky to find that shopping cart. Okay, I, I actually remembered a, a few more things. Uh, one of them I experienced and a few of them like, you know, heard the stories. So one of the classes that I took or one of the classes that I uh, had in at LSU, they would teach it in one of like the auditoriums. So the class generally had like 500 students in it. You know, it's just this giant, giant classroom. You know, you stick hundreds of kids in there. So it was a targeted class for pranks. And um, I don't know like what you know, was it like Phi Beta or whoever? I don't know who it was, you know, that, that did this, but every year they would do something, you know, fun in one of the classes. And so like, I'm going to paint a picture for you. So like, you know, it's, it's the big, like, it's like a movie theater, but much larger, you know, much larger scale, but the, the seats are like that, you know, they, they go up, you know, gradually. And you all look, you look down this little amphitheater area of like where the teacher sits and they usually have a microphone or whatever, but it's huge. And the doors are on either side. So there's a door all the way to the right and a door all the way to the left. And they're huge. So we're just sitting there in the middle of class for like 30 minutes into it. And one of the doors on like the right side or whatever opens up. And this dude is just full on sprinting through the door. And he's super frantic. You know, his cl- like his clothes are on, but they're everywhere. You know, his backpack's flying off. And he's like, they're after me. They're after me. And he's like running across the class, right? Just running across the class and busts through the other door. And it closes. And, you know, obviously the teacher gets quiet, the room gets quiet, and everybody kind of gig, you know, you hear that, like, kind of nervous giggle. Everybody's like, what the hell was that? And then the door on the right opens up again. And, like, four or five people dressed as ninjas with swords come running through, looking around real quick, and then go running through the other door, like, like quote, unquote, after the guy, right? Um, another one that happened was um, we're sitting, it's the same kind of class, you're sitting in there, and uh, the teacher's talking, uh, door opens up, person walks in, and just, like, kind of lazy, lackadaisical, like just walks to the center of the the thing. At this point, the teacher's like, um, excuse me, hello. Like, you know, try to talk to him. The guy's just, just ignoring the teacher. And he's looking up through the crowd of people. So, you know, he's looking up, looking around, looking around. Everybody's like, what's, what's going on? He's quiet. And it's like a good 45 seconds of him just looking around and being quiet, which feels like forever. You know what I mean? And then all of a sudden he just goes, there he is! It like points. And everybody like looks over to where he's pointing. And this dude stands up from the middle of class. Remember, it's like four or 500 people. So you easily miss him. And he's just dressed like, where's Waldo? So he's just dressed <laughs> like Waldo. And he just takes off like up the stairs, you know, because there's an exit in the back. And that dude just starts, you know, trucking after him. And like, so they're just running. And the teacher just like waits for it. You hear the door close. Cause it's like that really, cause you know, it's that real loud, like, you know, like you hear it. Yeah. And big heavy door. It, yeah. The teacher just goes back into class. And, like, and there, there was some, there were some other ones and stuff too, but those were the two that I remember the most. And we're, actually hilarious so nice nobody ever pranked yeah. our uh our big I was, lecture hall i was only there for one of them and i can't remember actually which one it was the other one was like 
my girlfriend at the time or somebody told me about it. I can't remember which one. I, I think I was there for the ninja one, but anyway. Well, one night somebody had a party in our lecture hall. I don't know how they managed that, but they, they cleaned, like, broke like, in or something. Yeah. And they like, cleaned it up afterwards. And then they had a lecture that morning. So they just slept in the lecture hall, woke up and, and they were right there. Mm-hmm. Ready okay. to go. All right, cool. I'm going to jump back over to my list a little bit here, uh, kind of mix it up. So this one, I'm going to try to answer this one as quickly as possible and as short as possible. Somebody asked, uh, can we please get an MLB offseason review from Tannen? Really interested in what he thinks about the NL East. I responded with, do you think we have enough time? Because I don't think I can obviously go over anything. But he's like, all right, shorter question. Are the Braves going to win the NL East again? Uh, I will give you my overall view real quick. I have been astonished by the MLB offseason this year. It was a red, uh, you could tell it was a point over the last few years, not to give out ridiculous contracts in baseball. You know, there was a while there where every decent player was getting like eight years, 150 million, eight years, 180 million, you know, 200 million. Uh, going into this offseason, I thought somebody would, uh, I thought Garrett Cole would break the record for largest contract ever by a pitcher, which was the previous was 217 million. It was broken twice. Uh, Strasburg and Garrett Cole both broke it. Garrett Cole got over 300 million as a pitcher as a contract with obviously the New York Yankees, but I did not see any of that coming. Um, the contracts have been way bigger on average, especially for pitching this year than I thought we would do. I thought we had kind of backed off the crazy money for a little yeah, while. Especially and, with what we saw with uh, with Harper and uh, Machado. Machado. Yeah. 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 And it, it it's surprising because the reason they got so much is A, they were very good, and B, they were very young when they came to free agency, which is not very uh, common the way that uh, control works in baseball. Usually you're in your late twenties, early thirties, those guys were in their like mid twenties. So you're still getting a lot of their prime and that's why they paid so much. Um, other than that, it, it feels like an off season from seven years ago. It's, it's kind of what I'm getting at. Do I think the Braves are going to win the NL East again? Uh, Josh Donaldson hasn't signed yet and he's going to probably sign with either the Braves or the Washington nationals. And that's going to swing. Who's probably going to be the favorite. But as of now, the Washington nationals won the world series last year. They still aren't the best team in their own division. They were worse than the Braves last year. They just, you know, got through the playoffs. You know, it's it's the way it works. And they have not gotten better. They've only gotten worse so far this offseason. While the Braves have gotten better than they were last year, besides the Josh Allen thing. So we'll have to see. As of right now, I think it is still just the Braves being the best team in the National League East. That could readily change any minute if Josh Allen signs with the Nationals. So uh, it's going to be an interesting thing. If you like the the inter part of, of baseball, like, you know, if you like watching interdivision play, like in football or any sport, uh, the National League East is by far the most entertaining division in probably any sport right now. There's four teams in that division that could win that division and could win a World Series. And you only possibly get two out of it for the playoffs. So a lot of fun and a lot of cool stuff's going to go on there. Uh, the next one, here we go. I'm going to let you answer first because I know you're going to like this. I actually have answers for this. What is your favorite beer? Okay. Do you need me to go? Do you need a moment? No, no. I, I have a go-to answer for this. It is a uh... It is a beer made by the Amagang Brewery in Cooperstown, New York. It's called Three Philosophers. What it is is a uh, Belgian quadruple ale, which is their strong Did you dark say ale. Quadruple, quadruple. So that in Belgian brewing, they have a double ale, uh, a triple ale, and a quadruple ale. The the oddly enough, the double is sort of in between the triple and the quad. The triple is very light, uh, but it tends to be strong, like. Um, uh, Victory Golden Monkey is a pretty good example, or at least of an American attempt at a Belgian triple. Um, but a, the Belgian quad is the darkest one. And it has a, a sort of noted like funkiness that uh, Belgian beers are known for because of the yeast strains. 
And then the, the quad has a lot of sort of stone fruit flavors, plum, prune uh, kind of thing going on. But they blend it 98% quadruple with 2% cherry lambic. So just a cherry beer to give it this underlying cherry note, which goes well with the other stone fruits in the quad. Uh, and the thing is like 10.5% alcohol. Um, so it's, it's very heavy. It's a sipping beer, but it's super, super good. Um, kind of an kind of an acquired taste, not something you would give to a, a new beer drinker. <laughs> oh, no, definitely not. Um, for me, I have two answers. Uh, one is we have a local brewery down here. It's only about an hour away. It's a Beta, and they make really, really good beers. Um, I can't drink too many of them because a lot of them are like on the sweeter side, and I don't like my beer to be like, you know, sweet if I'm going to drink a lot of it or whatever. But there's one that's called Purple Haze that's really good. Um, it goes really well with like crawfish and some other of like the, you know, the good, the good food that's like kind of native to down here. And then, um, my other favorite beer is what's called a Michelada. And it's, uh, it's kind of like a Latin beer thing that like my brother-in-law, he, I like the ones that he makes. It's uh beer, lime juice, different hot sauce, spices, like tomato juice or like Bloody Mary mix. And then you, uh, and then you put salt like on the glass or whatever. So I kind of like that. It's kind of like a Bloody Mary beer, I think is the way to put it. So, yeah. And Ross is typing to me right now that he hates both of the beers that I just answered. So now you see why we don't get along. No, I'm just joking. I was trying, fine. You I was trying to be discreet, Tannen, and you just threw I'm, me under the come bus. On. Of course I did. This is what this show is about. Here's the thing. I'm not a beer guy, and you are. And the beers that I like are generally not the beers you like. You like the heavier, like uh you know stout kind of stuff like that and i just i'm not that's just not my thing those from Anderson leclerc by the way noted uh tron aficionado and uh he's he's on the new uh team nova cadets as well shout out to Anderson leclerc love that guy uh i've been bad about naming the people whose questions so i'm gonna try to do a little bit better uh in fact let's do the next one it's uh matthias Vizos. i have no idea how to pronounce that name or whatever but he said how do you handle like wife slash girlfriend kids pets jobs cleaning the house other hobbies etc of magic I can't comprehend someone who streams every day, goes to tournaments on weekends, and still has reasonable social uh, relations. I can't comprehend that as well. I definitely couldn't do all of it. But I will say this. I play less magic than anyone has ever thought. (laughs) You know, for as as much as you saw me on the SAG tour and I was traveling a lot and playing BCW, I definitely practiced less than anyone could really imagine. I just tried to get the most out of every minute that I could. You know, I would like watch streams while I'm doing stuff. That's the thing that I did. I, I like to use my my time well. So if like, I was like cleaning the house or like washing the dishes, I'd have my iPad up and like stream would be on. So I'm listening or watching magic. I make sure to, you know, take care of my dog. I made the most of every minute that I could. And anytime that I'm with my family, it's time with them. So I try to like not do, you know, the half-ass thing with them. That way that like they don't ever feel like they're not getting my full attention or anything like that. So also trying to delegate as much stuff as possible, you know, like, Hey, can you do this? So I can do this kind of thing is important too. My wife was very supportive, which, which, which helps. Um, I, I live alone. I don't have pets, so I have way less responsibilities than Tana does. So it's yeah, a lot easier. All these things they mentioned. Yeah. All these <laughs> things they mentioned you don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I, so I just have none of them. That's how I deal with it. I, I, well, your job is magic. So like that also helps. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, here, here we go. Another one. Um, I think we're gonna have a good one from, uh, this is a good question from Garrett here. You and I will have a good conversation. Should the jazz give their name back to New Orleans and who's your favorite jazz artist from Utah? You're not getting it. Not getting it back. Okay. 
Okay. Why does there is so much conversation around the Jazz giving their name back to New Orleans? Where is the conversation about the Lakers giving their name back to Minneapolis? Because they were that's why they're called the Lakers. There aren't lakes in fucking yeah. Los Angeles? So until there's no music in Utah, you don't hear us complaining music about that. in Utah. I was there. <laughs> I was there. I heard it. No, you didn't. I don't believe it. So I no, it's not going anywhere. You're not getting it back unless you want to give up Zion Williamson. Then then we'll consider it. Look, a go fuck yourself. B they should definitely give us the, uh, they should definitely give us the name back. No, nope. but anyway, not going anywhere. All right, let's let's go back to your list for a little bit. Uh, okay, uh, Nickel Ballas asks, uh, and I think this one came up a couple times, and it links to another one. But they, they ask favorite holiday movie. And as a corollary, several people asked us, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? So why don't we handle uh, the, the second part first? Because that's pretty straightforward. Is Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yeah. Do, do you want to do you want to answer at the same time? Like right after three? Uh, All right. Sure. One, two, three. No. Yes. <laughs> You're so ridiculous. How is it not a Christmas movie? How, how does how does Christmas play into the movie other than it being set around Christmas? No, no, no! It's on Christmas. Sure, isn't it? Yeah, there you go. That's it's on Christmas. How's that not a Christmas movie? Oh, like the Christmas part of it doesn't play a huge role in the movie. It's just, you're just no fun. Like to be a Christmas no movie, fun. like it's got to be sort of central to the film, right? Maybe, like maybe I'm underestimating how central it is, but I don't think it is. I've actually it's never an seen allegory to him being. It's an allegory to him being Santa. Him shooting all these people, he's just giving them presents, Ross. They were they were bad people, so they didn't get their presents. That's their their lump of coal in their stocking. Ah, they just replaced coal with hot lead. Yes, exactly. It's a very easy look. You, it's easily to go. It's very easy to go from coal to lead. There you go. I, I don't think it is. They're, those are different elements, Tannen. Coal is made hey, of carbon. I, I look. I graduated from a college in Louisiana, so and I don't have any kind of science degree. So, layoff. Carbon and lead are not the same thing. Okay. Okay, I'll take I'll take your word for it, Mister Jeopardy. But f- favorite holiday movie other than Die Hard? Actually, it's not it's not Die Hard. I I don't think I have a favorite holiday movie. I like um Jingle All the Way quite a bit. You know the I, one with oh, yeah. Schwarzenegger and Sinbad that, and he, like having to get the action figure. That's near the top of my list. Turbo Man. Turbo Man. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Oh yeah. I like that one a lot. What about you? Uh, the, Jingle All the Way is actually one of the ones that's near the top of my list, so I'm surprised that you said it. Um, uh, both in terms of you having good taste and us agreeing. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, another one I always liked as a kid, I liked Home Alone Two, the one where he's in New York. Oh, okay. You like you like two better than one. I definitely liked number two better than number one as well for yeah. uh, for Home Alone. I was about to say that's the one of the crazy bird lady, right? Yeah. Yes, the pigeons. Yeah, Home Alone 1 was just like, okay, all I'm going to say is, A, he's got, like, th- the worst family of all time. And oh, B, yeah. it's like this, it's it's the same question I ask about a lot of the dads in some of these shows. What job did their dad have? That they get to have, like, these first-class trips with, like, the entire family for Christmas, and they just, like, and they live in these gigantic houses in, like, a nice neighborhood. I'm like, your dad is, like, has to be a millionaire, right? Oh, yeah. No, that family yeah, bloated. So- yeah, they were loaded. So, yeah. All right. Uh, I'll go back to mine for one. Spencer Howland wanted to know who smiles more. And I actually think it's you. I don't know. 
I do have the reputation of being grumpy. Yeah, you have the, that's what I'm saying. You have the reputation for being grumpy, and I have the reputation for being like kind of a uh, like what's what's the right way to put this? Like a happy guy. Yeah, jovial. You know? And it, it, yeah, I just don't think I showed as outwardly on my face as much as you do. Like you, when you enjoy something, you genuinely enjoy it, and you show it on your face. Like you're way more uh, demonstrative. Like, like it's not. Yeah, you're way more demonstrative. I was going to say not open about it. You're way more demonstrative about it than I am. And you like genuinely enjoy it from like every fiber being outward. And I I think I'm more contemplative about the things than you are. Not that like you don't do that, but I think I like, I'm like, I enjoy this. Why do I enjoy this? And I start like deanalyzing everything and you live in the moment a little bit better than I do. I think that's fair. Yeah. I definitely see you like, you know, full belly on laugh way off way more often than I do. Maybe it's because you're just around me a lot and you know, I'm a delight. So you just, yeah, you get to experience me. I am just me. So, all right. Well, Ross is dying over there. I'm going to ask Kyle's question. That came on next to the land war emissary. You're about to get into a fight. What song comes on as your soundtrack? Uh, I have the so tiger. I'm assume, you like, I have the tiger. I'm gonna yeah. I was gonna say I'm gonna assume this would be like your your intro music for for wrestling. Um, off the top of my head, I'd probably have to go with something like the NWO theme or like something along those lines. Uh, alternatively, Iron Maiden "Run for the Hills." <laughs> Iron Maiden "Run for the Hills." All right, here I got a good question for you because I can't answer this one as well. Uh, Titans fan nine twenty wants to know what's your ultimate Utah Jazz starting five. Um. So like best or players that I liked? I, it's, I think this is a question that you get to answer however you would like, Ross. What is your okay. ultimate Utah Jazz starting five? Um, uh, Rudy Gobert at center. Um, Andre Kirilenko at the four. I think he has a game. I think he's very underrated. I think his game translates really well to the modern NBA as like this rangy switching four. Um, mm-hmm. Then Joe Ingles at the three. Got to have Joe Ingles in there. Um yeah. I, and, I have come over to the Joel Ingles fandom, by the way. And then Donovan at the two. Still got to be Donovan. Um, and then I think everybody would expect me to say Darren Williams at the one. But I just love – like if I'm going if I'm going for a better team, yeah, play Darren at the one. He was an all-star level point guard in his time in Utah. Uh, and I, I watched a lot of those teams. They always fucking lost to the Lakers. Um, but Ricky Rubio is just a delight. And so if it's mm-hmm. my personal favorite to watch, as, as frustrating as Rubio can be with his poor shooting uh, and some of his kind of nonsense turnovers, um, R- Ricky plays with a lot of passion and heart. And as a fan, that is always fun to watch. So I, I would probably, for my own personal, you know, what what starting five do I want to watch? I'd probably have Ricky in there. But the, the big I one love is that you, I love that you answered this question without answer, without saying... Jeff Hornacek, John Stockton, or Carl Malone. I think it's great that you answered that without saying three of like the greatest Utah Jazz players of all time, yeah. but it's kind of, you know, I, I yeah, think least one of the three. I, I watched the very end of their careers. Like you, you could put John in there too. I just never got to watch their prime. So it seems weird for me mm-hmm. to check, to want to put them in there. Um, right, right. And once again, like if you're trying to make the best lineup, you can like, let's play, let's play John and Carl. And, uh, you know, then probably, uh, because Carl gets a lot of the scoring load, you probably want Hornacek over a guy like Donovan, just a better shooter. Mm-hmm. And then you probably have Kirilenko or Joe Ingles in there because they're just great role players. And then Gobert at the five. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I was trying to stay within what I have have watched a lot of because I I was I got into it in the nineties, but I got really into it in the two thousands. 
So I watched a lot okay. of Andre Kurlenko and then a lot of a uh, Darren Boozer memo. I would doubt the memo would be my center off the bench, by the way. I loved, I loved memo. Uh, all right, all right. Mehmet Okur for the, uh, the uninitiated um, was a one-time all-star actually while he was with the jazz during that late 2000s era. Um, tore his Achilles and that kind of ended his career, but he was, he was a, uh, an ahead of his time stretch five guy shot like 40% from three point range as a, mm-hmm. as a center. Uh, and that would also translate better to today's game. Um, those okay. teams, right, those, cool. those late two thousand teams were really, really good offensively. They struggled oh, yeah, they defensively, were. but they were among the best offensive teams in the league with Boozer, Memo, uh, an older Kirilenko, Darren, and then a rotating cast of shitty shooting guards like uh, CJ Miles and Ronnie. Pre- oh, well, R- Ronnie Brewer was actually solid. He actually he could play some defense, but it was definitely still the weak link in the lineup. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go back to your list for a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, that's one we already covered. Okay. Uh, Lane of the Main. Could you give us a rundown on your ritual from airport to coming back from an open? Like when your weekend starts to ends during a big tournament weekend, you know, what do you do? Uh, I will say I'm not one to have a really set ritual. Um, I I like to get a good breakfast, especially on Saturday when I have buys at an open. So that's, a, 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 a you know, very important. I like to have some time to relax the night before and not really um, fret because I, I am one to be, I mean, you know, I, I shade on the neurotic side of things. So if I like I fret on something, I, I can spiral. So I like to sort of, you know, I've submitted Same. my deck list and then I, I want to take some time to unwind uh, and then wake up, have a nice breakfast and then get ready to play um, after my buys are over. But there's no like, you know, set timing or anything. I don't eat like the same thing every time. You know, I, I, I try to, you know, have some higher protein snacks. Um, I try to eat, you know, a good protein rich meal in the morning. Um, things like that, but there's nothing super specific about it. I'm very similar to Ross. Just make sure I get a good night's sleep as much as I can, which me and Ross being around each other at events doesn't always lead to that happening. And then <laughs> um, I have a ritual. I guess this is like the only ritual thing is I would download some good stuff onto my iPad because I usually have to fly and I want to make sure that I can just kind of veg out on the planes or in the cars and stuff that I'm at. Uh, we actually skipped two questions on your list. I'm going to go to the one that we can both answer first because you told me that one of these you don't really you don't really partake or whatever, but what are some of your favorite TV shows, Ross? Um, the Simpsons is up there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, um, what am I watching now? Oh, I, I like glow a lot. I've been watching glow. I need to check that out. Yeah. I've that got a really long good. list by the way. Yeah. Like I, from- I try to limit how much TV I watch. I also, uh, I've, I've watched both seasons of Cobra Kai. I like Cobra Kai quite a bit. I'm going to start naming a few. I know you agree on this. I know you and I both love Chuck. Yeah. Uh, How I Met Your Mother. Yep. All right. I don't know how you feel about House. I loved House. I I, I watched all of House. Yeah. House is great. The character is amazing. Uh, Some stuff that maybe you weren't. I loved Firefly. One of my favorite shows of all time. Um, Never seen it. Yeah, I'm trying to think of some other stuff. Like, I liked Breaking Bad a lot, you know, just to make like one of the, you know, cliche better shows of all time. I, it took me about yeah. three or four tries to get through the first couple episodes. And then once I did, I was like, this show is just unbelievably good. Uh, so I'm trying to think of what else for television. Do you, do you have any more? Not that I can think of. I, I try to limit how much TV I watch. I watch way too much now. I've been catching up and stuff because like we're in the golden age of television. Stuff's just so good. You know, yeah, um, there's so much of it. 
Yeah, like th- like this year alone has been some stuff. I mean, Mandalorian's up there pretty high for me now. I watched the final episode of season one today. I thought the show was very well done. <laughs> like very, very, like it blew me away how good it was and stuff like that. So there's, there's a, there's, you know, there's some stuff there. I'm sure there's some more that I'm not mentioning that I absolutely don't. Or um, what is the name? Uh, Justified. Absolutely loved Justified. If you haven't seen that show, uh, Timothy Oliphant is like that character. He was, you know, people are like, this person was born for like, that's, that's him. Like that is his character kind of thing. Okay. Uh, top five action movies. You said you don't watch action movies very much, right? No. All right. So I'm just going to go with a couple off the top of my head. Uh, Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Uh, excuse me. Uh, I, do, the, I, do like the, I do like the first two Terminators. I like the first one more yeah. than the second one, actually. Yeah, I was a little young when I saw it, so it scared the crap out of me because it was way more of a thriller than the second one is. Like the first one is like psychological, like kind of thriller, you know what I mean? And the second one is like, one of the first, I think the second one might have been the first big blockbuster I saw, you know, that or like, I remember Jurassic Park when I was really, you know, it was like both around 92, 93, 94, you know, some of the yeah. first big movies I got to go see because I was like eight, nine or 10. My parents were like, all right, you could you could watch this under supervision, you know, and uh, so that um, The Matrix is a, a pretty big one for me. Um, I'm trying to think of like genres as well. Like I really enjoyed Casino Royale, not just for a Bond movie. I just thought that was just an amazing movie overall. Um some of the Marvel movies have been pretty absurd, but my favorite one out of all of them is Captain America Winter Soldier. I thought that movie was a very good action movie mixed of like almost a little bit of like the spy caper kind of thing in there. I'm trying to think. Um, there's some like Tarantino type stuff like Kill Bill, like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon kind of stuff that I liked when I was younger, when I was into that kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of anything else stood out really. Like, you know, there's just so many good ones that have come out in my lifetime. Um I like the fourth Transformers movie. Oh God, get out of here! It was that first <laughs> night or last night or something? I, I, God awful name. I, I wasn't. I wasn't even sure there were four of them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, does the I, does the Dark Knight count? Like the Dark Knight was just very well done. I, I, it's kind of an action Sharknado movie. Two. Okay, shut up! Stop making fun Sharknado of this question. Sharknado Two. <laughs> How many of them are there? Like eight now. I, I don't know how many. I will say this. I'm going to say this. I'm going to say one thing, and this will be my inspirational quote for the show. If you're ever, if you're ever worried about asking a question or saying something or appearing, worrying about appearing foolish in front of other people around you, especially people you respect or maybe your bosses, whatever, just remember at some point in time, someone pitched a movie idea that had tornadoes filled with sharks and it got made multiple times. Just remember that. <laughs> That this got made into multiple movies and stuff. Um, because it was genius, Tannen. Because it was yeah. genius. The first Avengers stands out because, like, I do really love like the Marvel movies stuff, and that was such a big deal. You know, like it was just you know the first big movie like that with a whole bunch of movies all brought into one, and they did a very good job of it. Uh, John Wick. That one stands. Out. I don't know if you've ever seen the John Wick uh, series. There's three of them now. They're all good, but the first one blew me away with how good it was. It like kind of revamped Keanu Reeves' career and stuff. And I mean, it was very, very well done and stuff too. So there's, there's a couple other that I'm missing and stuff, but that that's a nice little like quick, easy rundown or whatever. Yeah, so. That's a good selection. Yeah. Uh, All right. How about uh, Johnny Trumpet Lee, favorite kind of cereal? Uh, do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I basically never eat cereal for breakfast. I don't really buy it uh, either. Uh, but when I, when cereal is laying around, I'll, I'll usually eat it as a snack, sort of like uh, like granola. Um, I guess you could count granola as a cereal, which in which case it would be number one. But if you want like cereal brands, um, uh, Honey Bunches of Oats 
And uh, if I can find it, it's hard to find these days, but post blueberry morning is the oh, top. Oh, I've heard of that. Yeah, I remember that. I would have guessed cinnamon toast crunch. That would have like been my guess for you. That's what everybody says. So here, here's the funny thing. Um, my favorite cereals, if I do eat them, I am lactose intolerant. So it's a little harder for me to eat cereal. Uh, oh, my favorite I cereals, eat cereal dry. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't, I, never, I don't like it. I don't like it dry as much as most people. But my favorite cereals are all the boring ones. I like the healthy cereals. You know, the ones that it's like it's like granola and like nuts and berries and stuff like that. Like you know, what I'm talking about like if if you're thinking of one that's on the shelf, something like Basic Four. You know, something that's very good for you, low amount of sugar. I actually like the taste of it. I think it's very good, and it's a good breakfast if you're gonna go the cereal route. Boring. Exactly. I knew you was gonna get some hate for that answer. Do either of you got uh, this is from S Squirrel? Do either of you guys watch much college basketball? Um, I used to be one to get into March Madness. I would fill out a bracket and mm-hmm. I would watch. Um, it was convenient the, the first weekend of March Madness, which is you know the the best one. It was always the week that we had spring break when we were in college. And I would stay on campus over spring break. I wouldn't have anything to do. So I'd get up early that Thursday and I would just watch a day of college basketball Thursday and Friday. Um, you know, Those games are always walk- nuts too. Yeah, see like six different buzzer beaters. That was that was right around the time the NCAA started streaming it too. I didn't have a TV in my, in my dorm, but I could just stream it to my computer. Uh, and I, I just sat there, you know, watching them all day. Uh, I could flip between them to see like which games were getting good and where the upsets might be. Uh, so I wouldn't miss the like super important moments, super exciting ones. And then at some point, I just sort of lost my taste for it. I think once I started watching NBA basketball, watching college basketball got kind of infuriating because the quality level is really low. It's really bad, yeah. Yeah, and like all the best players are one and done, so you don't get to see like the same rivalries build. You know, the best players are all the freshmen that are super talented. Teams don't mm-hmm. get like to j- that that much time to like gel together. Um, so it, the quality is just so low that I've just stopped watching it. Uh, the answer for me is a lot similar. I watched it a lot more when I was younger. You know, the teams were better. Um, you know, the the games were better. I've watched LSU quite a bit through my life. We've had a couple of good teams. We made, I think we made a, a Elite Eight, if I remember right. And um, I was going to say, I have, a, I have a funny story of this. So I used to play, you know, a lot of video games and I played a lot of Halo for a while. And um, when I was really into like Halo and watching some stuff in college basketball, uh, Duke was really good and Gonzaga was really good. I know, surprise, Duke was really good. But uh, JJ Redick was known for like playing uh, Halo. And so was the, I can't remember the guy's name, but he played for Gonzaga. He got drafted really high and he never amounted to much in the NBA. But I remember one of my friends said, Adam Morrison. Adam Morrison. I was going to say the, the guy with the mustache. Yeah. And yeah. I got to play against them in Halo. My, my friend actually like somehow tracked them down and we played a couple games with them. And they found out that we were like all from Baton Rouge and LSU guys. And LSU eliminated Duke from the the NCAA tournament that year, and Reddick never played with us again. <laughs> After that, and now he plays for the Pelicans, so it's 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 kind of funny or whatever. So, all right, uh, I'm gonna go to one of my next questions. What are your spirit animals and why? What would be your spirit? Uh, mine would be my dog, uh, be Beignet. She's a ten pound Pomeranian, so it's a little furry animal looking thing. She looks like a Pokemon, so. Uh, I think the one that my nephew says, she looks like Evie. So who would be your spirit animal? I don't know. Exactly. Right. What would your Patronus be, Ross? Like, what, like, what's the, what's the, like a honey badger? Like, what, what encompasses you? A uh, capybara. Sure. I don't know what that is, but sure. 
It's the world's largest rodent. They live in the Amazon rainforest. Is that the one that smiles uh, all the time? No, they, they don't do a lot of smiling. They're very calm and relaxed animals. They do well around other animals. Um, and I follow many Twitter accounts that just tweet pictures of adorable okay. capybaras. All right, here. I got another question for you, Ross. What's your favorite thing to cook when you're craving meat, if you do crave meat? Um, when I crave meat, it is often uh, a cheeseburger. That's one of the mm-hmm. things I would eat a lot. Um, eat a lot like post-tournament. That was sort of like my comfort food after an event. Uh, and the, the, the sort of fake, uh, stuff has gotten a lot better recently. So I'm a pretty big fan of like the beyond burger impossible burger. Mm -hmm. So I'll seek one of those out if I'm really craving a burger and there is a bar in Roanoke that has the beyond burger. So I'll usually go there. That's actually my answer. That's actually my answer too, but I don't, you know, I'm not full vegetarian like you are. So yeah, a little less tomato, onion, smashed avocado, yeah, pepper jack cheese. Good to go. Good to go. Yeah, exactly. All right. What's your, f- this is from Bean Vampire Lord or Ben Vampire Lord. I can't tell. Sorry. Uh, favorite place to go on vacation. For me, it's just a beach, you know, like really relax, sit on the beach, drink a bunch, eat a bunch of good food, not have to do anything. You know what I mean? Like I don't mind the the vacation where you go places and you're like, hey, we're going to go see this, this and this, but I'm more of the relax tropical kind. I'm also more of the relax kind, though I do not like the beach. Um, I just hate sand is so annoying. Um, I, I rewatched episode two the other day and you just made my skin crawl. I was thinking of the, 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 the scene where he's like, I hate sand. And I was like, God, this writing is so bad. <laughs> Sorry. Anyway, go ahead. I, I hate sand. That's, that's all there is to it. There you so go. Yeah, yeah. I don't have a place in mind, but I, I'm, I'll say I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'll usually have like one thing I really want to see and I'll spend one day out and that, mm. that's, that's good enough for me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm thinking of my honeymoon where we went to Jamaica and we just like sat on the beach a lot. But one of the days we went to, uh, it's like, I think it's called Dunn's river falls where you just walk up a waterfall, you know? And I was like, this is awesome. You know, like it was cool. We like climbed a waterfall and stuff. And that was like pretty cool. It's like yeah. the one thing we are like, that's usually not the direction you go in Tannen. Uh, it, it's when you think of waterfalls, they aren't necessarily straight vertical. Like you see in movies, they are like, you know, more diagonal and you can go up one you know what i mean so like that's more like what we did and stuff also they they tailor it you're just thinking of a stream yeah you, you sure. just walked along the stream. yeah sure ross sure okay all right you want to go with some of yours again uh lazarov again favorite non-mtg board slash a video game uh, right now for me i gotta say my favorite video game is overwatch i've been playing that a lot and it's funny i play with a lot of the the magic guys we have a, a facebook group and anytime one of us gets on, we just post and we're like, Hey, we're getting on the Facebook or we get into discord channel and we just play the game together. And it's a lot of fun. Um, all of us are very similar skill sets and skill levels. So we can have a lot of fun there. And as for favorite board game, maybe code names. It's, uh, it's a, it's a game that brings all levels. Yeah. No, I'm saying it's a game that brings everybody together. Like it doesn't matter how good you are at board games. Cause like, let's be real. Magic players are generally better at board games than most people and i don't feel the need to like min max when i'm playing it i don't feel that need to like break the game so i get to have i get to enjoy that game more with like the muggles that i'm playing with you know to give like use a phrase like that like people who aren't you know gamers who aren't magic players and stuff so yeah i I was playing code names the other day and we set up the very first game playing in teams of three and our clue giver goes like animal six we just like lucked out and had all the animal ones we just literally hit six i've never played in a game where that has happened ever or we're like, you get, you, you'd have like three animals on the board, but one of them's a bomb. So you can't ever give the animal clue, you know, yeah. like you'll just lose them on the spot. 
So I've like never had that happen. I did have a game once. I think I was playing like Ruben Bressler or something. And he said, you know, some word. And he goes, five or six. I was like, what? Excuse me? I was like, you know, like <laughs> I was so thrown. But any board games uh, other than that or video games other than that? I, I'm, I'm a pretty big, uh, so I don't, I basically do no video gaming, uh, but I have played some board games and I'm a big Agricola fan. Yeah, um, I can see that. The, the worker placement game, yeah. And I, I like the, those kinds of styles of games. I didn't like Caverna as much, oddly enough. I thought Caverna added like a bunch of unnecessary complexity for very little gain on top of what Agricola already had. Um, and Agricola is already kind of a complicated game. Like it's, you know, there's just a lot going on when you play your, it usually takes a couple games to try to, you know, get comfortable with it. Um, and Caverna was the sequel and, and just didn't do a whole lot for me. But I, I do still like playing Agricola. Hmm. Okay. I got another question from they call me Ken. I don't appreciate that. So I don't know what to call you other than that. Um, who would win in a fight? I'm assuming that question is who was winning a fight out of Ross and I. And I'm going to say Ross unequivocally. Uh, I have a glass jaw. So it would take one half decent punch, which is probably all Ross could really muster anyway. And I'd be out for the count. Plus, I'm I'm a lot crazier than Tannen, and Tannen doesn't have the requisite. Like you know, Tannen's a little taller than I am, a little stronger than I am. But like, he's just you know, w- w- which guy is going to be okay with like losing an eye? It's going to be me. Uh, because, <laughs> so that, that's the guy you usually want to bet on. You know, the, the guy that just doesn't care. You were you were yeah you were born in the north. You're like the like an American Wolverine kind of guy, you know person or whatever. Like you know you're you're grizzled. Yeah. You had to be in the like snow. a honey badger. Yeah, like honey badger. There we go. There's your spirit animal. We did it. All right, <laughs> all right. Hit me up with one, Ross. Serpent Wind asks, "What is the city you've always wanted to travel to but haven't had the opportunity to do so yet?" Hmm. Uh, I've always wanted to go to like Hawaii or somewhere in like Eastern Europe, like. Italy or something like that. And I haven't really, I know those aren't cities, but you know, something along those lines, uh, the wife and I are talking about doing something like that possibly soon. And then in America, definitely New York. I was going to say, I haven't really gotten to really experience New York and my wife really wants to go back. So we're going to go relatively soon. Yeah. I, I think I would go somewhere in Italy, either, either Rome or Florence. Um, I would eat so much that- pasta, Ross. I would get so fat. I also wouldn't mind going to Scotland. Like Edinburgh. Okay. Let's see that. A lot of good beer. Yeah. They're they're kind of my people too. They're kind of they're, 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 grump, they're grumpy and they drink a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'd, right. we'd get along. Uh, Alexander Livernoche wants to know, what is the secret to having an impeccable beard? Um, good genetics. <laughs> Lots of oils. Take care of it. Make sure you take care of the skin underneath it. I don't have a beard like Ross, but I've tried before, and I I find the hardest part is keeping the skin under the beard healthy and and like uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Not dry. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and condition it regularly. I condition yeah. mine every day. Yeah, you should be washing it and conditioning it. It is hair. <laughs> All right. What's your next one? Uh, Exal asks, is there a magic artist or specific card artwork that you are really into? Uh, I have a specific answer for this one. Richard Kane Ferguson is probably my favorite artist in magic. And, uh, Dak and Blackblade is my favorite artwork in the, uh, the history of magic. In fact, the, uh, we didn't have a traditional wedding cake at our wedding. We did like a bunch of other stuff, but my wife got me a groom's cake. And uh, on it, the groom's cake was uh, my token from Inkland Customs. So it was just a big me. 
But uh, on the cake, I have a magic card, a poker card, and a Hearthstone card. Because, like, you know, it's like the three games that I played or whatever. And the magic card on the cake was Dak and Blackblade. So it was actually kind of cool that she got somebody to do that for me. Nice. Dak and Blackblade is a strong choice. That's, that's some good artwork. Yeah, he's like, um, I think it's oil painting that he uses for it or that he used for it in the past. Like, when you see his artwork versus, like, anyone else's, you're like, you can pick cards that he did without ever seeing his name on the card. Nice. Uh, I always liked the artwork for Urtai Wizard Adept. That's the okay. the deck box I used for 15 years before joining PCW was a deck box that had Urtai on it. I remember that deck box, actually. I still have it. I bought it in 2005 for $3. <laughs> it's the best $3 you've ever spent. Yeah, used it for 13 years. Mm-hmm. All um, right. Yeah, go ahead. Zondo E asks, why is Ross, or how did he become such a huge jazz fan? And did Ross or Tannen play sports in school while growing up? Um, as for my jazz fandom, that uh, came about from my desire to root against Michael Jordan in the late 90s, uh, because uh, I'm forever a contrarian, and the jazz happened to be the team that was in the finals. So I guess I was only a year away from being a Sonics fan, because it was Seattle that made the final in 96. Yeah. Uh, and that, that would have been horrible, so... Um, well, you had OKC for a while to be a, a, a fan of. Yeah, I guess like I probably would have followed the franchise because I don't have any ties to the location itself. Uh, but then I would have been a, a Thunder fan and would have had to watch them like trade away all the MVPs, mm-hmm. uh, like try, make that horrible Harden trade, and like this team that's supposed to like going to be great every year but never wins a title. That seems yeah. horrible too. Um, so do- kind of dodged a bullet. Granted, like it's not like the Jazz have won a title and the Thunder have been closer, right? You know yeah. they, they were close to upsetting the 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 um, the Warriors one year right before Durant left. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, um, but I, I like being a Jazz fan. The Jazz are just such a well-run franchise, top to bottom, <laughs> barring the couple years where uh, Tyron Corbin was coaching. That wasn't great. But uh, did you play any uh, sports? I was a uh, I was on the tennis team. Mm-hmm. I was That's a city tennis player for or three years. Yeah. Um, I, di- I did a lot of, yeah. I, <laughs> I was not a super athlete, but I did play tennis. And I, I ended up being, by the my senior year, I was playing three singles. There were two guys in my class that were just, they were they were the they were the second and third best kids on the team our freshman year. And then the best player graduated and they were just the one and two players on our team the rest of our time. Right. So I was, um, I was never better than that. Yeah, I played pretty much all the sports growing up, like all the major ones. Um I played youth sports a lot. They, they said in school, like so I just I, I just assumed high school. I played. Uh, I only played basketball for I think two years growing up, but I played uh, baseball, like t-ball, all the way through little league. My team one, one year went nineteen and zero. Nice. Won the, won the city championship. Yeah, uh, I played like a, a little baseball growing up. I got hurt when I was really young and like had to give it up or whatever. Had to give up contact sports. Like I couldn't play football as much anymore after that. Um, I played basketball a decent bit through school. Um, in high school, I had to kind of like lay off the contact sports cause that's, I got hurt like my like eighth grade freshman year really bad and was out for like over a year. I had to like relearn how to use one of my arms and stuff. Yeah. So I played golf after that. I actually won a state championship when I was at my, my high school and stuff like that. And then in college I played on, um, a couple of like the intramural teams, you know, like I played on like a, a flag football team in like a, a league with like LSU and some other stuff that was like pretty fun and very competitive. It was like very hard. <laughs> like everybody was very good. So that was that was a lot of fun too. 
But uh, I have not been in decent enough shape to play since. But I told my wife, I was talking to my wife about the other day, I actually want to join. There's like a men's league here that I want to join sometime soon because I think I think it's 35 and up and I just turned 35. So nice. <laughs> yeah, I just play tennis around with uh, Corey actually plays. So we've been playing a little mm-hmm. bit uh, around Roanoke. I used to uh, own nice. tennis stuff and I have no idea where it is. I'm also okay. So that's another thing, real quick. I'll say this last thing on this. Um, every sport that I've ever played, I've been like remotely decent at. You know what I mean? Like I picked it up pretty quickly or whatever. Blah blah blah. Tennis always gave me the hardest time. Like, I, and I don't understand why. That's very technique oriented. You just got to get that down. Yeah, maybe I never spent enough time on that part. I don't know. Yeah, no, it's, it's tough. It took definitely took me a fair bit of time just to like me able to swing consistently and just hit the ball back over and. But then being able to control where you want to go and you know but i will say uh, overall golf was probably because i did like competitive golf was probably the most humbling thing i've ever tried to be good at yeah how, how did tennis how did he struggle with tennis and yet you're a state champion golfer golf I, I, is don't, just I don't know <laughs> i literally don't know but i did practice a lot at golf like a lot so okay yeah that that tends to that tends to help a little bit uh, Serpent Wind asks, what music do y'all listen to? Um, you want to take this one first? Sure. Um, I've gone through like pretty much everything in my life, except for like anything too heavy. Like I was never into like, like heavy metal or anything like that. You know, growing up, like the first albums I had, I remember growing up were like MC Hammer, like, uh, Vanilla Ice, Green Day's Dookie, you know, Nirvana, Pearl Jam, that kind of stuff. I had an older brother, which helped a lot. Um, the bands that were like formative for me, like growing up through the nineties into early two thousands, like early high school and early grade school for me was three eleven was like my, my favorite band and like incubus as well along with that. And then I got more into like the, a little more, like a little more punky and stuff than that. A couple of things, but you know, my favorite bands over the last, you know, decade, decade and a half have definitely been uh fallout boy, uh, panic at the disco, so that I even had a country music phase for a while. I was a big like Garth Brooks, Tim McGraw, George Strait fan for a little while as well. The first concert I ever went to was Garth Brooks. And now look at you. you've got friends in low places. Mm-hmm. Ross, don't talk about yourself like that. You're, you're come on. You're in like at least like low medium. Sure, sure. Uh, that didn't quite fit the uh, melody of the song yeah. though. Um. I didn't really listen to a lot of music growing up. Uh, I really started getting into it in college, actually. And, you know, it started with a lot of, like, classic rock. And then I got in... I always, like, wanted to know about the artists that I was listening to. And I, you know, eventually figured out that a lot of classic rock stemmed from, you know, uh, early uh, blues music. And so I actually started listening to a lot of blues in college, much to the chagrin of the people around me. Um, Like, you know... 20s and 30s, you know, Blind Lemon, Jefferson, Robert Johnson, Sunhouse kind of stuff. Um, and then I, I gravitated towards the more blues rock side of things. I was a big Black Keys fan for a while. Um, th- that kind of side. Now I'm more like Americana bluegrass, but there's still some like rock elements to what I listen to. I've listened to, you know... Uh, a little bit of, of a lot of other things. There's some soul music in my library. There's a little bit of pop music, like a band. Uh, one of the bands I like now is Lake Street Dive, and they blend the sort of like pop, jazz, soul, R and B sort of all together. And they have a uh, they have a stand up bass player, which mm. I always liked. I like yeah, the those are cool. String bass. How uh, much of those weigh, by the way? Do you have any idea? 
I they're hollow, so they, they can't, can't weigh they a can't ton. They can't be super right? light, though. Yeah. Like I would think it at least has some heft to it. Oh no! Oh yeah! I, I, I mean, I I played the I played the tenor saxophone, and that thing was a bitch to lug around. I can only imagine what lugging around a fucking stand up bass is like. But um, so the, there's some variety in there, but it all stems. It all gets back to a lot of bluegrass and blues. I think at the base. All right, me. cool. Alex Mena had another basketball question for us, and they were like, what are your favorite opposite conference teams? So you and I are both fans of teams in the Western Conference. Who are our favorite Eastern Conference teams? For me, I got to say the answer is going to be the Chicago Bulls. I actually grew up a Jordan fan, unlike Ross, and I actually watched a lot, a lot of games growing up of uh, Michael Jordan. So I think the Bulls is an easy answer for me. And I would go with the Indiana Pacers. Any particular reason? Sort of- like, do you like Miller or anything? They're now. I, I never really liked Reggie Miller that much, but they're uh, they're similar to the Jazz, and they're sort of you know not super highly touted, not a huge market, um, so they don't sign a ton of like big name free agents. But they play smart basketball, they play team basketball, uh, and you know they make the best of, of what they have. They got a little bit of lucky with Oladipo breaking out with them, and they've been good since then. But even with Oladipo out right now, they're you know they're one of the best teams in the East. Uh, behind, you know, Demonis Sabonis and Malcolm Brogdon. So they just, they just play an enjoyable style of basketball to me. And they're kind of an underdog. And those are the two things I look at. Gotcha, gotcha. All right. Do you have another one uh, set up for us over there? Yeah. Uh, uh, Traxum asks, best place to eat in Philadelphia for the Open February 3rd? Um, I, th- I think we would both say that if you can get into the city itself, you, you should go to Reading Terminal Market. Right. Um, so if you're flying... Uh, try to stop at the market before you head up towards uh, Valley Forge. Um, in that area, yeah, we were talking about this earlier. We, we can't remember the names of those restaurants, but we it was can in like it out though. I can send it yeah. to maybe. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll post it in the. We'll figure it out and post it in the uh, in the Discord so you can figure. Uh, so you can know, but the, yeah, those places were good. You didn't like True Food Kitchen. I like True Food Kitchen. That's yeah. a, that's in the mall. It's funny because I like plant-based food quite a bit. Like I actually prefer plant-based meals most of the time. And I just, maybe it was my meal or something. Maybe there's too many, like too much mushroom in my meal. Because I, I like mushroom more as like a garnish than I like it being like the star of the dish. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like too much mushroom for me is just, it's, I'm like, this is, this is, you know, uh, just not my, my cup of tea. So I don't know what it was, but I did not like it as much as you did. Uh, yeah, so uh, I would recommend True Food Kitchen, but maybe uh, your mileage may vary there. Um, the restaurant in the in the hotel in the Radisson actually isn't that bad as far as hotel restaurants go. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. We usually end up eating there at least once because the area isn't yeah. great. I'll give them a, a good life hack if they're going to be at, at at the Philly event. So most of the rooms in the in the hotels that are right around uh, the site have microwaves. There's an Italian restaurant that's in like the little mall area that we're talking about, kind of where True Food Kitchen is. It's called like Maggiano's or something like that. And it's one of those places where you can go and you can order a meal, like, you know, a pasta meal, and they'll give you one to go. So you get two meals for the price of one. So you can bring it back to your room, put that meal into the fridge, and you can have another meal later for Magic players that want to get the most. And then I can't remember the name of this place, but... Uh, Ross, I, and like Team BCW, we stayed in a Doubletree once, which always recommend the Doubletree best cookies. But there's a Doubletree right by the site and directly across the street was an Indian restaurant. And it's a very small, like, corner, like, you know, the little, um, what am I, 
the little strip malls. It's a little corner of a strip mall Indian place. And it had the like best chicken tikka masala I've like ever had in my life. <laughs> randomly. Right. I forgot about that Indian restaurant. That was good. It was really good randomly. So if you could if you could figure out which one that is, I'd have to look it up or whatever. That one was very good. Yeah. All right. Okay. Uh, Sam Goldman had a uh, a banger of a question here. So I'm a I'm a big fan of this one. How did you like the new Rise of the Star uh, the new Star Wars movie, uh, Rise of, Rise of Skywalker? And how would you rank all the Star Wars movies? You can add the TV show, the Christmas special, and ranking if you would like. This has been very popular on Twitter and Facebook a lot lately, so I'm interested to hear your answer. Yeah, uh, so I haven't seen Rise of Skywalker yet, so sure. please avoid any spoilers for me, Tannen. I, um, I wasn't going to put so any spoilers into the, sh- into the show. I'll, I'll leave that one out since I haven't seen it, but I have a pretty generic ranking with one significant difference. So I, def- I put um, Empire at the top, uh, though I think it's pretty close with A New Hope. Um, and then... I would say um, I, I liked The Force Awakens quite a bit. I yeah. think part of I liked it as a sort of setup to the rest. So its ranking will ultimately depend on how I, much I like uh, Rise of Skywalker. Uh, but right now, I think I would honestly put that one third, and then um, I don't uh, like they're they're all pretty close. A lot of them are pretty close after yeah. that. I think yeah. uh, I think. Uh, Return of the Jedi, I um, Rogue One, and um, and the Last Jedi are sort of in some order there. But another one I would put on that tier is Revenge of the Sith. I liked Episode Three. I thought yep. that was a serviceable movie. Uh, still held down by Hayden Christensen's horrific acting, um, <laughs> but was not nearly as bad as the first two, and gets often gets lumped in with them. Um, I think it's a significant step up from them. So those four in some order after that, and then. You know, one and two are and are way at the bottom. I also haven't seen Solo, but I've heard bad things. Yeah. So for me, I think I, I'm not sure where I would rank Solo. I didn't think it was very good. Um, but for me, like the bottom of the pile are episodes one and two. Like they're just unwatchable and very bad. Um, yeah. I think right after that, I might have have Rise of Skywalker as like the third or fourth worst film. I thought it was very bad. I did not enjoy it at all. Um. And then right after that, uh, like you said, episode three is is passable, right? And then um, after that, I r- actually really enjoyed episodes uh, seven and eight, you know, Force Awakens and um, Last Jedi. And I liked them a lot more than most people. And I still remember one of the, my, like, you know, when I went and saw, because I was a very big Star Wars fan. I read like almost every single book in the extended, uh, in the extended universe, you know, like the hundreds of books they put out that don't exist anymore, quote unquote. Um, yeah. so I'm, I'm a pretty big Star Wars guy. I loved all this stuff. Uh, when I saw Force Awakens, I was like, thank God it wasn't bad. But I was like, actively, that was a good movie. You know, I was entertained. Cool story. Cool characters. You know, very well done. If anyone wants to privately ask me why I didn't like Rise of Skywalker, I'll, I'll write you a, a, a paper on it. Um, I liked those two. Um, I liked those two a lot. They're probably right in there, like maybe like a little tiny bit below uh, Return of the Jedi. And then like right above Return of the Jedi is like A New Hope. Right. Um, so that movie's great. And then I got to say my. F- I I think Empire is the best Star Wars movie, right? Because I think it's a perfect movie. You know, the bad guys win. It's at the biggest cinematic reveal in history. You know, the the like the, the first like the biggest twist in the history of cinematics. You know, it's really, really good. Um, the movie's just perfect. Like from start to finish. My favorite Star Wars movie is Rogue One. 
It's just my absolute favorite. I, I think that movie's great. Um, it proved that you can have a good Star Wars movie where you don't have the main character uh, running around with a lightsaber, the name of Skywalker, or flying the Millennium Falcon, which every other movie has centered around. And it, yeah. it, it, you have to have that for the movie to be good, which is not true. And I went in thinking the movie would be good. I legit, I legit said beforehand, I was like, watch these side movies be the best thing to come out of Lucasfilms. Like it's going to, or, you know, or Disney or whatever, you know, whatever you want to say. And I was blown away with how good it is knowing the ending going in, you know, cause like if you knew anything of your history, you knew they like, they, they were not going to survive, you know, like, and I thought they did a very good job. I thought the movie was great. I thought the acting was good. The story was good. And visually that movie is stunning, which kind of goes along with everything that, you know, Lucasfilm, I mean, like Star Wars has done is visually they're amazing. And so I would say those two are at the top, probably like, you know, 1A, 1B kind of interchangeable, depending on what you want. All the other movies are where I said they were, but somewhere right in between uh, all the best movies and a little below Empire and Rogue One is The Mandalorian. I liked it that much. I thought it was great. I think the supplemental stories are amazing. And I, I can't wait for season two, which we're going to get pretty quickly, apparently. So. I've got to watch Rogue One again because I I saw it in theaters and I remember being pretty bored during the first half and really compelled during the second half. Um, Yeah, I've heard that from a lot of people that the first half like missed with them. And I guess I'm one of the people that didn't. So I I think it just is slow. But if you're Mm -hmm. if you're a huge Star Wars fan, like you probably get into the minutiae a little bit more. Yeah, Um, I, I actually like the movies being a little slower and without giving away anything. That's actually one of the problems that I have with with rise of the sky uh rise of skywalker or whatever it's like literally just a hundred miles an hour the entire movie almost and you're just like yo chill for like five minutes <laughs> you know but, but I, sh- I should watch it again uh because i haven't seen it since it was in theaters you know what four years ago three years ago it's one of those movies it's really funny i love the movie to death i have to temper myself not to watch it too much which uh you know we talked about some of our favorite movies earlier and uh like favorite action films and one that i didn't mention i mentioned this on twitter the other night my wife, I found out, had never seen V for Vendetta, and we rewatched that movie last night. It's probably like the ninth or tenth time I've seen it. I adore that movie. It's one of my personal favorites. I don't know if you've ever seen that one. Yeah, I have. Um, yeah. I watched it with subtitles on last night for the first time, because, uh, you know, we always watch movies with subtitles on, and it the subtitles struggle to keep up at points. Don't get me wrong, because they talk a lot and fast in that movie, but yeah. it was absolutely awesome. With a lot of with a lot of V's. By the way, I I, I went through years ago and put that out. It one hundred percent makes sense. His speech where he uses all the V words, like literally, oh, yeah. like his big use of alliteration. Um, but uh, my wife loved the movie, so that was really good, which is nice. It was. I almost annoy her because I'm one of those people. If she looks at her phone all the time, I'm like, hey, the you know the movie. This is important, like you know, because I'm I'm really into movies and stuff. So uh, I definitely piss her off quite a bit <laughs> when she watches some of my favorite stuff. So. That movie was always a little weird for me because I just found it strange how it turned Guy Fox masks into this like revolutionary symbol. Yeah. When, yeah. When Guy Fox was the, you know, who was a person who actually existed and organized the gunpowder plot, he was, he was attempting to restore the Catholic monarchy. He was a, you know, hardline Catholic. So that, that part was always just weird to me. Like, and I, I, yeah, I think it's more it's more the ideals of one man can make a difference and like you you know what I mean like the the yeah. overworking oh, yeah. kind yeah, of thing. But it always just like yeah. most people just sort of accepted it as that without understanding the historical context and that. Hurts. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, no. I actually went and looked it up because, you know, like I was like, I, I, I had heard the name Guy Fox. I didn't know the, you know, the whatever. But other than that, um, I also it's one of the few times that I've really liked a major character tone change from like a book to a movie because I've read, you know, I've obviously read the graphic novel. And I liked the way they portrayed Evie's character a lot more in the movie than in the, the book, because in the book, she's like way more ditzy and kind of a, uh, a kind of a victim. You know, she just happens to be there and is like almost a scapegoat. While in the movie, she's like way more proactive and like she's almost like a moral compass. You know what I mean? Like, do you get what I'm trying to say there? She's like she's yeah. like actively adding to the story and like she's she plays off of, of V a lot better, in my opinion. Yeah, she starts off with in, in that sort of helpless manner, but then grows mm-hmm. over the yeah. course of the film. So there's some yeah. uh, more dynamism to her character. Oh, yeah. Uh, Natalie Portman did an amazing job in that movie. Anyway, speaking exactly. speaking of good movies of Natalie Portman instead of bad ones, but... Yeah. Um, why don't we move on from movies? How about uh, Right as Rain asking, how did you start playing Magic? So, for me, it's a lot a lot earlier than you, if I remember right. So, it was like 1994, 1995. I can't remember. I was at St. George School in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, and I'll never, never forget Luke Mumphrey, uh, a friend of mine. He was a great ahead of me. Uh, just had some Magic cards at school. And I was like, yo, that's cool. What is that? You know, I liked the artwork, like whatever. I may have even seen Dak and Blackblade. I don't remember exactly. But, uh, you know, I remember him teaching me how to play. And I remember us playing on grass and cement all the time. You would bring your decks to school wrapped in a rubber band rubber in band. a like yep. Ziploc bag. That was that's how you did it. Like a sandwich bag. Yeah, no, no sleeves. Those did not exist. <laughs> I, uh, I started... So my, my brother initially taught me how to play in the like mid nineties, like 96, 97. He was in middle school. And, did did uh, he quit when you got way better than him? N- no, no. He, he, he was always better than me when we played uh, because I was, he's four and a half years older than I am. So he's in middle school. Like I was, you know, seven. Um, and uh, he just wanted somebody to, you know, play with around the house. Uh, and I just played with like his decks. He was, you know, uh, and he quit when he got in high school, and so I, I never played myself. But then I went to a separate middle school, and when I was in eighth grade, a new school had opened up in the neighboring town. It was a magnet school that was supposed to focus on science, math, and technology. And so, you know, that, that was right up my alley, So uh, and I won the lottery to get in the school. So I went to a completely new middle school for eighth grade, and it was uh, most of the kids were from that town that it was in and not my town. Uh, and there were two other towns that also sent kids in. There were four total. So, you know, I would say about one fifth of the kids were from my school, maybe, Pro- probably even less than that. Um, so maybe one sixth. So m- most of the kids there are new. And, you know, I, I met new people, I had some new friends, and they all happened to play Magic. Uh, they were all from the neighboring town. So uh, I started playing with them. And that's when I started playing myself. I met a separate person who I'm still friends with to this day in our jazz band that played, uh, he saw us playing. And then he was the one who told me about, you know, Friday night magic. That was towards the end of the school year. Um, and I went to my first F and M in like May and the rest is history. Yeah. The rest is, as they say, it's history. I wish you could go back and not learn how to play magic. That would probably make both of our lives a lot more successful <laughs> overall. Speak for yourself. My entire life is built around it. So yeah, yeah I, I'm just, I'm just, my life would certainly be different. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just joking, whatever. All right, Ross. Anarchy preaching to himself wants to know, what's your favorite non-magic card game? Is it Cribbage? Cribbage. Yeah. yeah. Um, we'll say, 
for me, I would think it would be something along the if, if it couldn't be like poker, because like obviously, you know, poker was a big part of my life. Maybe Hearthstone, I think, would be the, the correct answer for all. I really, really enjoyed Hearthstone for a few years. I, I like setback quite a bit as well. I got to find some people to play some setback. I have no idea what that is. <laughs> uh, it's the game where every hand uh, you're trying to get high, low, jack and game. Is this this done with a deck of cards? Like a playing yes, card? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's also called Pitch in the Midwest. Um, I've heard it called Pitch. Okay, I've heard of that game. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, we, we call it Setback. So that's one I played a lot in high school. I've played a lot of, of card games in my life. Just like, you know, I played a lot of Gin Rummy. Never really played Bridge. Um, spades, Hearts. Um, oh, I like... Um... Chinese poker, like open face, pineapple, all those kinds too. I, I liked that a lot. Me and Morgan Chang used to play a ton for a long time. It got really big at the Magic community like five or seven years ago for a while. Okay. Um, yeah, so I, I, I just like simple games with a deck of cards. I don't need any more super complicated, deep games like Magic in my life. I've got Magic. Yeah, I know. Don't have time for that. Okay, uh, Barbarian's Riddle. Which of you is a little bit country and which is a little rock and roll? I think we kind of answered this one, right? Like if one of us had to be a little bit country, uh, the joke would be like, you know, I said that I had a country phase, but I think you're more country overall than I am when it comes to your music choices because you like, you know, bluegrass and jazz and stuff like you closer stuff to that more than I do. And yeah, I, uh, I actually like rock and roll. I, I also live near the Appalachian Mountains, so... The, though you do live sure. near the bayou, which is, but that's like a different flavor of country. Yeah, I was like kind of laughing. I was like, there's a lot of country artists, like some of the bigger country artists came from my area, you know? So. Yeah. Um, so, but I definitely think I would be, a, a, I would be the little bit country in our duo. You, you'd yeah. be a little bit rock and roll. Even though I do own a ton of country albums and CDs and stuff randomly, but yeah. go ahead. Well, I, I mean, I listen to Hank Williams. So. That's true. That's true. That's a little too country <laughs> for me. Yeah. I love Hank Williams. Yeah. That's sure Hank Williams do. senior, by the way, none yeah, of this sure Hank Williams junior shit. <laughs> hey man, he did, he, did the, he did the football thing for like forever. Yeah, I know. All right. What was next? One? Not for me. Um, how about, um, do either of you play D and D? And if yes, what was your most recent character? No, I do not play. <laughs> Uh, I've, I've never played either. I almost, uh, I got invited to a game shortly before I moved to Roanoke actually. Mm. And because I was moving, I, I couldn't take part in it. It's something I'm like vaguely interested Same. in, but I've never been so interested in it that I would seek it out. I would, I needed to just fall on my lap at one point and be very convenient Same. and then I'll try Same. it. I definitely want to at some point, <laughs> but it's, it's a, it's a, I know it's a commitment and I don't want to take it lightly. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, well, well, it'll happen someday. I'm mm-hmm. confident. All right. Uh, Steve wants to know, uh, why did you become vegetarian and would you ever go back to meat or go full vegan? Um, I just went vegetarian because I started to feel uncomfortable knowing that, um, unnecessary lives were lost so that I could eat when I could eat other, you know, I'm in a position where I can reasonably eat otherwise. Mm-hmm. Not everyone is in that position, yeah. you know, like, uh, uh, and, and if you, uh, so I don't, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't criticize anyone if they are in that position. Um, so that's sort of where I am. It's definitely a very personal decision. So it's not one I, I project on anyone else. Um, 
I have considered going vegan. I think that would be a lot more difficult for me. I eat a lot of eggs. The the cheat the the dairy stuff would be easier to give up. And I do eat some vegan meals. I actually had a, a vegan dinner last night. There's a really good vegan restaurant in Middletown, Connecticut. Uh, that's been there since um, I think the '90s. It oh, was wow. one of the first ones in the wow. area. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, Wesleyan University brings in a lot of weird restaurants. Sure. So Mid- Middletown is sort of the center of Central Connecticut's food scene. Uh, you know, it's centrally located. It's off several highways, so it's pretty easy to drive to. And there's a nice strip of good bars and restaurants on on Main Street. Uh, but it's only natural. It's been there for qu- quite some time. They now have a market. Actually, there's the restaurant, and on the other side of the street, they have a market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like hippie grocery store, basically. Yeah. Uh, but we had nice we had a nice meal there, and like honestly, like I can't tell a huge difference with like you know the cheese like that they the vegan cheese and the non vegan cheese. I would say like the, you know, the regular cheese is a little bit better, but it's not a huge difference mm-hmm. to me, but missing out on eggs would be really big. And it would cut a lot. It would cut into my protein intake. So I'd have to be a lot more, um, um, you know, vigilant in my diet right. if I, if I did right. that, but I, I have thought about, um, I, and I, I don't really have any plans to start eating meat again. If we get to a point where like, um, no, even if we got to a point where like factory farming went away, I don't think I would because that's not that's sort of a separate though related issue. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but if we have like lab grown meat, I would eat that. Same for that. That's probably the thing that yeah. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't have any issue there. So if we start making lab grown meat, yeah, I'm in. So I am not vegetarian, but my wife and I do eat very plant based, and we do eat vegan quite a bit. And I gotta say, I really enjoy vegan food. In fact, I got to, I got to share a recipe with you that we did the other night of vegan food. That was absurd. It was very, very good. And, um, I'm not going to say the whole conversation, but Ross and I had this conversation about a year ago about like, you know, why he became vegetarian or whatever. And, uh, it has resonated with me since then. And every single time I've considered going full vegetarian, it's, I, I think of our conversation. So awesome. yeah, what's the next one on your list? Um, Jay Eshra. Uh, would you sign up to take a ninth place 100% of the time at magic tournaments? Uh, no, I just would not. Yeah. Not even remotely. Not close. close. That sounds, that sounds like torture. I, I got a, I got one for you. I got one for you. Someone asked me this one. Would you, would you, would you accept the same question if we changed ninth to second? I would probably sign I, up. I would that. also sign up for it, even with the joke about me never being able to win and getting second places. Just because like yeah. the money alone is very nice. <laughs> like you could be, you could, yeah, it would just be so Yeah, you could be, wor- you could be known for a lot worse than just uh, getting second place all the time. Yeah, think about how many Pro Tour top eights I would yeah, have. Right, you know, be so many. Yeah, I would just be farming money. I, I would make hundreds of thousands of dollars all a right, year. So I like this question quite a bit. And it's, you can get creative with it. And I'm going to give my answer. And you don't have to answer if you don't want to. But who would win in a fight? Ross's beard or Reed Duke's hair? And I got to say, I'm going to go with Ross's beard. Because it's kind of like the joke we were making about when you and I would fight. Like, Reed Duke's hair is just, it's like beautiful, right? And your beard is grizzled. And like, it's like the grizzled vet. You know what I mean? And his hair is like the upstart young guy. You know, that's like never really been in a real fight. You know, it's never had to really, you know, work a day in its life. You know, that hair is just perfect and sits naturally great. Well, your beard has seen some stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So his hair is sitting on, on the beach getting, on uh, you know, um, bonded 
by beautiful women and yeah, sipping my ties. Your beard's been yeah, in a I'm, I'm out there. <laughs> Yeah, it's like I just see it in a snowstorm, like trugging through, you know, like, like, like you're <laughs> like when I think of Reed Duke's hair, it's like it's like the thing you said. And then I think of your beard. I think of like the Rocky montage of running up the, the the steps and like, you know, punching the meat, you know, the the the, the meat carcass and stuff. Swallowing six eggs for, yeah, morning, yeah, for your morning breakfast. That's Ross's beard. So. Raw eggs. Yeah. Because like and then if, oh, yeah. if like and then the and on the other end of the spectrum, if it was like a superhero thing. Like Reduke's hair would be Superman and Ross's beard would be Batman, and we all know who would really win in that fight. So yeah, Superman is a stupid superhero. He just has all the power. Yeah, he, re- he really is. Batman has no <laughs> I power. Hate that character. It is great. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Okay, uh, Jen Stukov. Assuming your safety would be guaranteed if you could travel back in time only once to witness a single moment of history in person, what would it be? Yes, you would be sent back to current time afterwards, so you wouldn't be stuck in the past. Do you have an answer to this one yet? Yes. What is it? The assassination of Julius Caesar. You, you'd want to watch that one happen? Mm. Yeah. Plus, I'd want to be like in ancient Rome. I, I just want to see history that is so far uh, in the past. Um, mm-hmm. maybe, the, maybe the completion of the, of the Great Pyramids, or the Khufu's okay. Pyramid. That would also be a cool mm-hmm. one. Um, ooh, any like seeing the Hanging Gardens of Babylon would also be cool. I don't know if there's a specific event there, but just I don't know, but seeing their completion or whatever because they've been lost to history. I, I would want to see something that like you know we know something about but don't know everything about. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, for me, go ahead. Something in pre-Columbian in in the in the Americas. I don't know what well, okay. we, don't, we don't know a lot about pre-Columbian, like in terms of specific events. At least I'm not sure exactly what we know. Like we we know things about the different cultures, um, but mm-hmm. specific events there would be really cool because that that history has been significantly erased. Yeah, I I don't know if I have a specific time or like specific thing exactly in history that I'd want to go back. Like, there's cool stuff, you know. I'd like to like you know for, like I'd like to see you know certain sporting events or whatever or just. In general, I'd like to take in a certain amount of time in certain time periods. Like, you know, what was it like to live during the Cold War and be like aware? You know what I mean? Like, what was it like to? You literally lived during the Cold War. You know what I mean? I was a child. Like, I don't, I don't, you know what I mean? Like being like an adult and having to actually worry about that kind of thing. Or, you know, like, what was it like to like, you know, watch the the Berlin Wall come down? Just like cool stuff like that. Um, There's some selfish stuff. Like, I wouldn't mind seeing watching uh my wife and i meet from the an outside perspective you know the first time we met or whatever um Man, certain, a complete asshole <laughs> yeah was like dude how the hell did she fall for me thank god she was deaf she didn't hear a lot of the stupid shit i said you know <laughs> you know kind of thing so um i don't know like th- this one was hard for me i i asked my wife a lot of these these questions and her answer to this one i'm not going to repeat on air was very good like very good like i actually like teared up a little bit and stuff so um, cause it was like a personal one. It was like really, really cool. So awesome. What's the next one you got? Uh, I got right as rain asking, what is your favorite draft format of all time? I have an easy one to this. It is Innistrad. It's actually the best draft format of all time. Fight me. Do, do you like triple Innistrad or Innistrad Dark Ascension? Uh, I prefer triple Innistrad. I liked Dark Ascension as well, but I, I prefer triple Innistrad because I mean, you could just 
play whatever. Like all the decks were great. I really liked the funky decks. Like people figured out spider spawning was good, but I really, really, really enjoyed like burning vengeance decks. And then, you know, there's yeah, like especially travel if the burning vengeance deck had like two delvers in it. Oh yeah. I had a, uh, so I did really well. The draft opens. We used to have those at, uh, at SCG events. And I used to do really well because I always forced the Burning Vengeance deck because I found that, especially when you made the top eights, that people drafted very carefully. You know what I mean? They weren't willing to take risk, especially not right away. And I remember one of the decks I had there where I had a Burning Vengeance deck, a Burning Vengeance deck. My deck was littered full of like flashback spells. And I had five creatures in my deck. It was five Delver of Secrets. So my deck nice. was busted. Um, I, won, I won that one pretty that. easily. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Draft format I'm most nostalgic for is RGD, but that format yeah. does not hold up well. It does not. Um, uh, the rules change like hurt that format a lot. Yeah, as well. yeah, like, that's original. Ravager. Yeah, Peel from Reality was like a, a slam dunk first pick, and is now like not. <laughs> is that is the way to put it? Um, so the I, I do think Innistrad is the best one. I agree with you, and Triple Innistrad, a format that I really liked though. Um, in terms of my favorite, I really really liked Scars Besieged. Not full block. I don't. I hated it for some reason. I just like couldn't get it once New Phyrexia came in. It was just too weird because you have those like Azorius Infect decks that really relied on the first pack, and like I, I just never get things to come together in that format. But just Star Scars Besieged. Um, I also really liked Triple Pharos quite a bit. I went to that Pro Tour anyway. Uh, the the thing about Innistrad for me, like that made it so good, and like this is like the one thing it always said everybody if they ever asked why, is if you took the entire set every single card, right? However many cards it is, like blah, 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 you know, number of sets. If you took the entire set and laid out every card on the table, by the time that I was done drafting the set, I think I had played every single card in the set except for maybe two to three in a main deck. In the deck, and I was like, this set was just perfect. Like, all the cards were playable. You could find reasons to play them. I remember it was like, I think Cellar Door was like one of the cards that I didn't ever play in a main deck. You know what I mean? Like, there weren't many. And I was like, that to me just is like just very competent, well done set. Yeah, I think depth of playability is really important for a limited set because not only does it uh, you know provide more variety, you just have more playable cards, but being confident that you're going to have a stack that has 27, 28 playables at the end, maybe more, means that you have more flexibility in the draft and you can switch around a little bit more um, and or maybe wait a little bit longer to commit. Uh, and be in maybe three different colors after pack one and then play the, what the open in pack two. And I like that flexibility a lot. And it doesn't really happen if the set is very shallow because you just have to get playables in those kinds of formats. Um, and that Innistrad definitely was a home run in that regard. All right, what's the next one? Um, have you guys ever snowboarded or skied? Huh. I have not done either, but I really want to do snowboarding, though. Here, it's very difficult. I have not done either, and I have no interest in doing so. You will find me back in the lodge with a beer. Uh, oh, we did skip over one that I kind of liked. Do you have a favorite pro wrestler? If so, who are they? Nope. Don't I do. Wrestling. I do. I actually watched wrestling a lot when I was younger. I know a lot of the magic guys watch now. I do not. I was a huge Hulkamaniac growing up. You know, he taught me important lessons like doing my homework, making sure I ate my vegetables, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, oh, yeah, brother. You know, like all that stuff. And, um, you know, it's like typical th- those kinds of guys like Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, those. But 
Um, the last little bit of wrestling that I watched that I was like really into and really enjoyed, I really liked the NWO. Like when Hogan was a was a heel, like we went bad guy, like Scott Hall, Kevin Nash. I didn't like it towards the end where they like made it really complicated. Like half of the people in the wrestling were in the NWO, and there's like different factions of it. But at the beginning, it was a really compelling storyline and very good. Whatever you say, boss. I didn't. I wasn't around for the Attitude Era, but I've seen some YouTube videos, and I really kind of regret missing like The Rock in his heyday and like those guys because that dude was quite the entertainer. Yeah, still is. Yeah, I mean, I love his movies. So. Yeah, pro wrestling is no tooth fairy, but yeah, yeah, what is sure, sure. I haven't seen that <laughs> one, but okay. Uh, moving on, we've got Alligator asking as an aspiring content creator. I'm curious as to whether you two believe the advice a lot of new content creators are given, which is just make a ton of content. Do you think that's good advice or do you think, you know, networking and a quality over quantity approach leads to more success? Do you want me to go first? Sure. Yes and no. <laughs> so I don't think you should just be like shotgunning out content, right? Like I don't think you should be like making as much as you can. I do think, um, so I remember when I, when I did Hearthstone a lot, I lived with a lot of the like biggest content creators. Hearthstone. I lived with like Amaz and Firebat, like Zalay and some of these guys. And seeing their dedication to it was impressive. You know, they were making sure they were always streaming or doing something, you know, making YouTube videos, you know, tweeting about what's going on. I do think that's important. But what I think is important is being consistent, like setting times you're like, hey, I'm going to be streaming at this time this many times a week, et cetera, et cetera. I think that's very, very important. Um, I do think there's a healthy balance between quality and quantity. Like you, at some point in time, you do need to just get stuff out, but it needs to be good. If, if I watch your stuff and it's just horrible or it's not for me, one of those two things, I'm just not going to watch it anyway. But if you're, if you're constantly putting out stuff, it's more likely that I'm going to watch it though, right? Because I'm going to see it more often kind of thing. So uh, also I think it's just like kind of find what makes you happy with it. Like, don't make yourself miserable making content you don't want to make because it comes through. Because here's the thing. I do think streaming for the average person is very unhealthy in a lot of these things. So take it with that what you will. Yeah, uh, I would echo what you said. I, I think you got to find what you want to do and what, uh, you know, what you're good at doing, whatever your like, niche is within content creation. And you should be doing a lot of it, but you should be doing you should only be doing the things that you actively want to be doing and are going to be engaged with. Uh, because I agree that you know, your level of engagement does shine through to others uh, and your energy level. So you shouldn't just be throwing everything you can at the wall. You should have some plan behind it. But once you find the thing you're good at, then quantity becomes important, because you, especially at the start, because you just need eyeballs. Um, so it, it's it's about you know being um, it's about being strategic in your quantity. Um, as opposed to just sort of being loose with it. Mm -hmm. All right. We're getting um, towards the end here. What's, what, what, do we, what do we have left? Yeah. Do you have any more from Twitter or is it just discord? Uh, I was say it, the last one from Twitter is what are your favorite books? We've had a couple questions about books. Like, you know, uh, anything stand out for you? The thing with me for books is I know you read a lot for different reasons. Than I do. I almost read purely for like entertainment. It's kind of like watching a TV show for me, you know? So it's, it's mostly sci-fi fantasy, like, fiction you know what i mean like i'm never reading too much to like learn though there are some stuff for like business and stuff that i read um but stuff that stood out 
I, you know, I read the Game of Thrones books a little. I'm, I'm like kind of hipster. I read them a little bit before they came out on the shows, so I liked those. I really liked the Wheel of Time. Uh, I thought that was really good. Like Dune is one of my favorite sci-fi books of all time. You know, just a few things like that. I'm trying to start Name of the Wind. I've heard that you know it's a. I've gotten that from a lot of people. It's really good. Anything by Brandon Sanderson, I will try to consume because that guy is just the goat, and he's unbelievably prolific with his writing. I have no idea how he possibly also a magic player, by the way, kind of cool. And uh, I was say, other than that, like, I don't know. It's just, I, 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 it's too much fiction for me. You know what I mean? It's hard for me to be like, this book changed my life kind of thing, because you know, it's like, it's a sci-fi book about some dude on a spaceship with a lightsaber or something, you know? Like, Yeah. Um, and I, I read a lot of history myself. Right. Um, uh, Charles Mann's 1491 was good. Uh, long but good. Um, it's about pre-Columbian uh, cultures in the Americas and the the history of anthropology studying them. Um, uh, I recently, like probably a year ago, finished "Slavery and the Makings of American Capitalism." Oh, that was a subtitle. It was titled "The Half Has Never Been Told: Slavery and the Makings of American Capitalism." I can't remember who wrote it, but that one was quite good. Um, and more recently, I've just been reading a lot of like political theory, um, which I'm sure people can uh, guess at where that leans. Yeah, of um, but those two um, definitely high on the list. Uh, I will say, other than that, uh, I read I read some sports, some sports, you know, books about sports and stuff as well, mostly baseball. And uh, the Moneyball book is really good. I was going to say it's going to cliche because they made a movie of it, but I read Moneyball like three or four times when it came out. That book was so it's nothing like the movie. The movie like it's it's the same ish kind of story, but the movie is obviously like Hollywooded up. Yeah, very dramatic. It's very yeah dramatized like quite a bit. You know, they romanticize it quite a bit. The book, if you like baseball and you like analytics and you like stuff like that, like you see how someone literally changed everything. You know, they, they challenged everything. They changed everything. And that book really changed my understanding and love of the game quite a bit. I went from, you know, liking baseball, liking to watch it and stuff and really loving. And like, that's when I started really diving deep in, you know, because this was like yeah. early 2000s and stuff. stuff that, so. book is, that book is really good. I it's read it. Very in, I, know, I read it in one night. I picked it up. I just yeah. couldn't put it down. I was like Same. three or four in the morning. I liked it so much. I accidentally gave it to my brother as a gift multiple times. Like I gave it to him one year as like, you know, a Christmas or a birthday gift. And then I did it again, like two years later. And he was like, you already gave it to me. I'm like, the point still stands. <laughs> like this book, this book <laughs> is right. Like, yeah. I was just making sure. Cause I don't think I ever got it back, you know, like, cause I think uh, I let him borrow it once or something. And then I just gave it to him as a gift. And I was like, yeah, this is just for me actually. So. Perfect. Um, Quinn O'Grady asks, do you prefer the more serious nature magic has taken recently or the more silly nature of magic from the early years? So I'm not really sure exactly what that's getting at. I was about to say, I never really understood this question when I read it. I think maybe they're saying that like, it, it, it probably goes along with the way they've perceived magic in their life. You know, they were more casual as they started and then they got more serious and competitive as they got older. I, I think it's more about the lore, right? The lore had a little um, bit more comedy in it, right? You know, the, the flavor texts were a little more jokey. There was, a, a, you know, a little bit more leeway. Now everything is, like, pretty well set. They build the story, and, like, you know, that that's how it goes. I don't really know how the, the storylines are written, um, if they're more lighthearted in tone, but pe- maybe not. But th- this is just not something that I follow. Same. So Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I've never read any of the books or anything, so. 
Uh, I do. You know, I know some of the stuff from secondhand, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I pick up things from people that actually follow it, but I, I do not. Um, yeah. I do like, I like the more um, fantasy element of magic as opposed to, it's gotten a little bit more. Um, um, when I say fantasy, I mean like, like older fantasy, sort of Lord of the Ringsy as opposed to like, okay. it's a little more science fantasy now, you know, like there's all these different planes and they're walking across them. And, uh, you know, there's the steampunk plane now with Kaladesh and like, um, you know, for, for a lot of magic's history, it was almost all in like the one world. It was all in Dominaria. Um, yeah. But I, I kind of think that's more due to nostalgia than anything else. Um, so I, I'm probably just biased because that's when I, you know, learned to love magic. No, that makes sense. All right. There's one more question that you're going to like here about cribbage. It's a long one, so I'm going to read it real quick. Ross, I'm an avid cribbage player. This is from Phil Lesh. I'm an avid cribbage player, and I believe you are too. Yes, yes, he is. Uh, I was wondering when you learned and from who. Uh, I learned from my dad, and we continue to enjoy cribbage whenever we get together. I've also recently gotten him into Catan, another great game, by the way. Uh, I have fond memories of taking a train from Virginia Tech to Florida to visit my grandparents and playing cribbage with my dad for hours and hours each day on the trip. We did this pilgrimage for many years. Tannen, do you play? And if yes, same question to you. Happy holidays. Happy holidays to you too, first. Second, I don't play cribbage, so I can't answer this question. Third, this story is adorable. And <laughs> go ahead, Ross. Uh, well, I, I sort of have a similar story. Um, so I believe it was my dad who actually taught me the rules of cribbage and probably played my first game with me when I was maybe five or six. Uh, but really, I learned playing with my grandfather, who, who really liked to play. And that was sort of like the thing that we did when we were together. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, I spent a lot uh, when, when I grew up, he lived, uh, it was my grandfather who started the Christmas tree farm. And so he lived on the farmhouse. Uh, and my dad took it over when I was very young. And so when, you know, post Thanksgiving, when selling season started, we spent a lot of time over there because my dad had to be over there uh, and my mom would make all the wreaths. So she had to be over there. So we spent a lot of time in that house. And if I was, you know, if my grandfather was awake, we played a lot of cribbage uh, during those days. We also had this old VCR with a built-in screen, like a 13 inch screen um, that we would bring over there and plop on the chair on, in the, in the living room and then sit around it and watch movies um, when we were young. But uh, so we spent just a lot of time in December, you know, at that house, uh, and I played a lot of cribbage with him. And then, to, uh, towards the end of his life, he had to be moved into, uh, you know, convalescent care. And so when I visited him there, it was all usually just to play cribbage. Um, so I played a lot of cribbage with my grandfather over the years while he was alive, uh, and, you know, really you know, cut my teeth and learned how to play, uh, over that time. I'm, I'm kind of jealous of your childhood quite a bit, but I'll leave that to myself or whatever. Um, were there any questions that you, uh, that you would like wanted to ask me or whatever that came up on the show or anything like that? Anything that made you want to like go deeper or anything? I kind of put you on the spot. I know. Nah, I, I already know too much about you. You already, I was, I was about to say the same thing or whatever, but, um, wait, so I found out something recently that I actually didn't know about you. You have a twin sister. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I mean, why why would you? Um, 
Yeah. I don't know. Like you've heard me mention my brother before. I just literally had never heard you mention your sister. Yeah. So, uh, well, I, I rarely mention, like I obviously rarely mention that we're twins. It also sort of, so, um, so obviously we're fraternal twins. Um, and when I, I, when I skipped the fifth grade, um, the dynamic of our relationship changed a little bit. And that sort of, because, you know, when you're, when you're in school, your age is almost as a less of a num less of the actual like number of your age and more the number of your grade. Right. You know, seventh graders hang with seventh graders, eighth with eighth. Well, and then it sort of blends a little bit once you're in high school. Um, so it sort of felt like we, I was a year older than her because I was going through all of the school milestones a year earlier at that point. Um, so we became less like twinsy and more just brother and sister. Uh, but yeah, I, I do have a, a twin sister and two older siblings. I have an older sister and an older brother. Yeah, I've only really got the one sibling. I've got the older brother or whatever, but I, I've married into some other brothers and sisters now. So <laughs> got that going on. Yeah, you have a, you're going to have a large extended family. That seems, oh, yeah. uh, that seems exhausting. Just so many names to remember and relationships. I, I just, uh, I can't tell you how many times we go to something and I'm like, so wait, who is this one again? And they'll, they'll say the name and I'm like, in what relation are they again? Okay. Okay. I remember this now. I'm like, they like this thing, right? Or, you know, like something I could bring up like, Hey, how was, you know, your trip to wherever, or, you know, like, how's the job going? You know, like, you know, it, I do what I can. I do what I can. Yeah. We have some extended family. And when, I, um, when I was a kid, we would have a uh, Memorial day, uh, uh, cookout at one of, at like a cousin's house. Uh, and I like, me and my twin sister are, were clearly the youngest of people in this extended family uh, by like several years. Mm -hmm. And so uh, like, there was very few people I could really, you know, talk or relate to. And there was just a million people that knew who I was and I had no idea who they were because I'm just seven. And it's like, yeah, this is uncle this or cousin this or aunt that or grandma this. And it, like, you know, a lot of them aren't even like that. That's not their blood relation to me, but it's just easier for them to say that. And they're like, Oh yeah, they like got married to cousin this after you know they got divorced or somebody else died, and I'm just like I I can't keep these seventy names straight. I'm yeah. sorry, I can barely remember your name. How the hell am I supposed to remember all this other crap? I talk to you like every day. Anyway, all right, this has yeah. been quite the long episode, but this has been kind of fun. I will say we should definitely like make this a thing. Like if if we make it the full year, <laughs> which I hope we do. I hope <laughs> I hope Pioneer is still around and, and you know popular a year a year from now. But we should definitely do this again. Uh, especially like someone that's like a little slow, you know, there's like not a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. Like, no, hol holiday mailbag episode, you know, Santa's just dumping out the, what's in a sack and it's all letters somehow. Yeah. It's, it's no, it's the bottom of it. Like he's already given out like all the yeah. good stuff. So he you just get the dregs, you know, like the, but we're just dragging the bottom <laughs> of the bag at this point or whatever. So, yeah. But uh, the, the misshapen doll, doll faces and the, yeah, the, the train with square wheels. It's the Island of Misfit Toys. <laughs> So if uh, we somehow skipped over your question, because there's a chance we probably did, uh, let's skip over one. I apologize if we didn't get to all of them. We try to get to as many of them as we can. If uh, you really want something answered or whatever, you can still tweet at us. Uh, we do that. Use the Twitter machine quite a bit. And if someone wanted to reach you or talk to you on Twitter quite a bit, Ross, where would they find you? I am at Ross Hunneds. That's R-O-S-S-H-U-N-N-E-D-S. -S -S. And like Tannen said, we are quite active on the website. You can uh, tweet at us and I try to respond in a timely manner. Uh, I also do write a weekly article for StarCityGames.com. Those go up on Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. I appreciate your support if you read those. And I host 
versus live with Corey Baumeister. That's on uh, twitch.tv slash Star City Games. Same Twitch channel you go to to watch open coverage. Uh, and we're on Tuesday and Thursday afternoons from 1 to 4 p.m. If you can catch us live, we always have a good time just playing whatever format we think is relevant and decks we think are cool. Uh, and we do take questions mid-show. We'll answer them live on the air. So that's a good place to get a question answered. Um, if you cannot catch those live, you can watch them on YouTube. The Tuesday shows go up on the Star City Games YouTube channel the following Friday, and the Thursday shows go up the following Monday. Mm-hmm. And if you wanted to follow me more, you want to send some more questions my way, I am the Tannen Grace on the website, as Ross is... Uh, and all the kids today like to call it. It's the first time I've ever said that out loud. It sounds weird. It's like the first time I said lit it does sound or weird. yeet or whatever. Or fam. Or fam. I don't say any of that stuff unironically. But anyway, uh, you can follow me on there. It's under the Tanning Grace. You can also follow the cast on Twitter. It's at cast pioneer. Uh, pretty easy to find. If you put pioneer cast, it'll also probably pop up. You know, the algorithm will find it for you. Um, on our Twitter account, you can see a link to our discord. And our Discord is popping off, as the kids would say. It's very popular. Lots of stuff going on in there. Lots of cool things. We talk about all kinds of shit in there. Not just not just magic, but there's definitely a lot of magic. So definitely check it out in there. Also, we have a Patreon. We have a ton of patrons. We're very, very thankful for all the ones that we do have. That's at patreon.com slash pioneercast. Right now, we have a 2 and a $5 tier. There's some cool stuff in there for each tier. It's explained on the website. Um, we have some stuff in the in the works. Uh, it's a busy time of year right now, so I'm trying to get some things going. But in the new year, there will definitely be more uh, patron levels. We're going to have some cool stuff, some cool rewards that can go out to people. I'm um, looking forward to all this quite a bit. And uh, in the new year, it's definitely going to be pretty cool because in our Discord, we have a patron-only channel. So you have you have to be a patron of the show to be in this channel. Ross and I are pretty active in there. And during uh, the Open Series, when it's coming back, because you know we haven't really had much lately... Uh, Ross will be posting his decks the day before the open. If, if he's done with them, obviously, you know, if he changes the thing the day of, or we try not to change too much stuff, stuff happens though. Um, and I will also, even if I'm not going to the open that weekend, post what I would be playing and why. So you'll get, you know, the the advantage of seeing our decks day early. So if you're playing an event that weekend or you want the deck for FNM, you'll have it. So make sure you check that out. Anyway, thanks for listening to this week's episode where, man, we talked about a lot of non-magic stuff. This is nice and uh it was great yeah it's great but next week back to the grind uh we'll be doing uh a lot of magic talk a lot of pioneer talk there'll be you know a couple of tournaments going on online we'll talk about that stuff and what we think is going to be big next year in pioneer because uh i think the format's finally at its spot where it's right where you know we may have one or two more bands in the next few months but that's about it so looking forward to see what's happening there but thanks everybody for listening this week we'll see y'all next week <laughs>